0: It is time for Greg
1: Carrasco! Kick it! Whoa, what's the Greg Carrasco show? Get this party on the road. How fast can this light go? Whoa, yeah, celebrity guest from the East Coast to the West. Who knows who he has next? At Greg Carrasco, trending Twitter like a bomb. Tens of thousands on his lawn, he's even followed by your mom. What? podcasting live. Here is your warning. The topics are flowing every Saturday morning. Car talk like Sherlock. The guy knows wheels like a dial star. Movie talk on the boardwalk. shoot facts like a tomahawk. So entertaining. Turn up the station. There's no more waiting. This show is beginning. It's too late to escape. Let's go. Here's your host, Greg.
2: As the Saturday morning sun just beams through my studio window, I have to say good morning to Slacker Nation. Good morning, Slackers. Thank you for yet again indulging me with your ears, with your attention. And if I can answer one question for you today, if I can, you know, solve one problem for you today, if we can have one meaningful conversation, the job is done. You're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show with my friend Ken Stapen here, and we are Canada's largest, yeah, I like saying that, largest <laughs> automotive radio show. It just rolls off the tongue, right? Yeah, yeah you know, it's, that, it's a Spanish thing. You know, We can roll the R. Large. <laughs> that you know was always I'm my saying?
3: biggest struggle when I took Spanish in school was that didn't come you naturally to me. I did. What well, did you
2: learn to say? Araña. <laughs>
3: Puedo ir al baño, por favor.
2: Oh, you know, that's the first thing that, you know, (laughs) you don't even have to ask that, right? Yeah, that's... Puedo ir 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 al baño,
3: por favor. Yeah, but it's essential that you learn that when you're in uh, seventh grade because the teacher won't let you use the restroom (laughs) unless you know how to ask that correctly. So that was the first thing that I learned. But um, also just growing up in the States and working in restaurants for a long time, a lot of the kitchen staff are from Spanish-speaking countries. So, oh, really? you, yep. So you have to learn how to communicate, um, and you sort of we, we sort of met, met on the middle ground where it was almost like a Spanglish, like you speak half English, <laughs> half half Spanish, but we we figured out how to get it done. Albeit, I'm a little bit out of practice now that I've been in Canada for about the last uh, seven or eight years now.
2: And people know the most random words like araña, you know, cebolla, you know, that's onion, <laughs> manzana. <laughs> You know, it's a a weird thing. But, you know, the beauty about Spanish is that it's very linear. You know, each letter sounds the same way every time on every word. So once you learn the way a a letter sounds, that's it. It just is prevalent throughout the entire language, And it's a massive language.
3: Yeah, the tenses uh, are easier, too, for like past tense, all that sort of stuff. And luckily, if I ever go to a Spanish-speaking country, then I know how to ask for an onion. So that's good. (laughs)
2: <laughs> well, you know, the, the reality is that a lot of people should learn it, man. Uh, you know, S- Spaniards have taken over America, uh, even though they had America and something happened and then they didn't. But let's not get into that this morning. Again. Goodness. <laughs> it's too early uh, for this. <laughs> <laughs> folks, this, bro- this show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. We are the home of the no commission salespeople. We are the first in Nissan Infinity combination stores that... Uh, We moved away from commission. You know, we decided that, uh, you know, the price that you pay for a car should not be based on how good of a negotiator you are, and instead, just look at what you need. And uh, and on that basis, we use fairness. You see, when you have a salesperson that's on salary and you're looking at a $10,000 car or you're looking at a $130,000 car, the treatment is the exact same because whether you buy the vehicle or not, they still get paid. And that's the caveat is it makes a huge difference in your car buying experience and you know all things consider, uh, despite the fact that we are in the middle of a lockdown right now uh, and, I, and I said this in a commercial, you know I, i'm going to address something right now, uh, Ken, because in this stupid times that we're living in right now, you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't you know if if this door closes down, you need to lay everybody off, you make many, many, many people unhappy because some people may be able to live on $1,500 a month or whatever it is an unemployment gives you, and but many can't. So you shut the store down, people go on unemployment, unhappy families. But then you keep the door open, and you tell people, you know, stay home if you, if, you know, if you can, but if you absolutely have to buy a car, come and see me because we're doing this and this and this and this. And then I get hate because I'm asking people that if they need to, they can come down to the store, even though the store has been deemed an essential service. Now, I don't make the laws. And if the store is open, folks, it is my social responsibility to communicate to you know to the public that you can actually still do business with us. Otherwise, what's the point? But we are unable to make people happy these days, Ken. It's like people have forgotten that happiness is a choice. You will find... <laughs> I've forgotten about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's been a little
3: while since we needed to drop that one in.
2: You know, <laughs> you know, whatever you seek is seeking you. If you're looking for problems, if you're looking for misery, you will find it. If you're looking for happiness, it's right there waiting for you, staring at you right in the eyeballs. I just still don't understand why people always make the decision of just looking for problems instead of the amazing things that we are still surrounded by no and but see
3: anyway. I, I find it i find this interesting just uh, before we go off this topic i find it interesting as well because it's been well documented that you've been a huge proponent of the online shopping being able to do everything that you can do at the store from your own home and you don't even need to come in if you don't want to it's basically the option is just there based off the provincial guidelines that if people do indeed feel more comfortable coming in which some people do then they have that option. So, I don't know, it's like you said, damned if you do, damned if you don't. And all you can do is give people the options based off of the recommendations of the provincial government.
2: Well, look at it this way. I I had a marketing campaign a little while ago that um, didn't bring the most desirable attention. And uh, the whole point is that you can buy a car naked. You don't have to put <laughs> clothes on to buy a car at Oakville oh, Nissan can't, can't and Oakville I, Infinity. I can't imagine now, why that, how that why that I, went over <coughs> badly. I, I I don't recommend that you show up naked at the store. Although although you know some people may not object to that, but you know at, at Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity you can literally buy. A car naked. You Just do it from your bedroom. I don't know if you're into that sort of thing. But either way, you can, you can just log into your computer and uh, go through the system. And we have one of the most sophisticated digital retailing tools in which you can literally say, buy now. Boom. Boom. Buy now. Buy now. And guess what? You get a couple of documents. You sign them online. You take a couple of pictures here and there. Boom. The car's on your driveway. So you never have to leave the comfort of your home. We are, we are like the Amazon for cars. We like Carmazon or something, you know. Wait, I should rename. That's, that's a brand right there, Ken. What do you think? You know, can you stop putting me on mute? Because I'd really like to know what you guys are talking about in the background. And we've had this conversation before. But, you you know, just like everybody else in my life, can, you don't listen to me. And Ben doesn't listen to me. And I like the commentary.
3: No, yeah. no worries. Uh, actually, we were just um, – Tim just called in a little bit prematurely. So we're just going to have him call back at 10.15. So that's, uh, oh, that's, okay, that's, all we were, that's all that Ben and I were talking about. Sometimes – it's not actually the fact that we're having an interesting conversation on the other side. We're just taking care you of the what, whatever it is, it interests stuff, me, right? right behind yeah, the behind the th- scenes stuff okay. that the listeners I, I don't really know about. I want to know okay, everything. Okay, You see
2: when, when I know everything, then you know you t- you remove this speculative mind of mine. You know, I'm always just wondering what what's going on in the background. Because, <laughs> folks, if you <laughs> don't sure know this, the, we, yeah, no, we go ahead. We have a we have a Zoom video call uh, going on every time we we broadcast the show because we're broadcasting from our own houses and uh, uh, except for Ken and ben that are at the studio but i'm at home so we have a video conference going on at the same time so sometimes when they put me on mute i see them just having this lively conversations in the background and it's like okay they're talking about me for sure for sure they're talk-
3: <laughs> very exciting things we're having very exciting conversations behind the mic no most of the time it's a bit just uh based off timing schematics uh, if the phone's ringing because we do take your calls often so yeah if you have any questions or you want to join the show give us a call at 416-870-1050 416-870-1050 but greg i promise you i've been better about not muting the mic when there's actually something to contribute and i know that ben feels the same way as well that he's happy to jump in and (laughs) let his opinion be known especially Uh, to defend his music choices oh there's a lot of that. those
2: are undefendable (laughs) <laughs> cannot defend those music choices, especially uh, last week. But you know, I I want to do I I, I want to say something though, folks. We have um, uh, a couple of special guests today. We have a you know an important person again. Uh, his name is Tim Rouse. He is the president and CEO of the Canadian Auto Dealers Association. Now this is the big honcho for all car dealers across Canada. So you know, if you are uh, in any way associated with the car industry, you may want to tune in and just stay listening because, um, you know, Tim is a Tim is a pretty insightful guy and uh, he always has some news to share with the audience, especially uh, since we are the car business best kept secret. You know, uh, there are dealer principals and sales managers and salespeople in the closet all over the country listening to the Carrasco show. It happens, you know, I know. Um, so Tim is going to be here on the other side of the break, and um, he's going to make a couple of announcements, which is great. We also have um, Money Mike Esquire. He's back. Money Mike is be... oh, the yeah, return man. of I, Money Mike. Dude, he's been so busy looking after listeners of the show that are taking his advice. It's just wonderful to you know to see how... Uh, How much trust people are putting into Money Mike? He's busy now, but um, you know, other than that, this show is going to remain open. We don't have any preset topics today, so if you have any questions about cars, buying cars, selling cars, fixing cars, uh, leasing cars, destroying cars, getting rid of cars, trading cars, you know, trade values. If if there is a car in your life, or you if you've seen a car, and you have a question. You have to call 416-870-1050. This is The Greg Carrasco Show, Canada's largest automotive radio show. We'll take a small break and we'll be right back. You know, that's got to be one of the most difficult things to do in everyone's entire life. To allow yourself to be loved, like for real. You know, by yourself and by other people. I don't know, some people have some aversion to this.
3: By yourself is really difficult
2: it's
4: tough man.
3: everybody's ever you know it's like everybody's their own biggest critic and I say this to people all the time if you wouldn't say it to somebody else face to face certainly don't say it to yourself and I know we're all guilty of that just thinking oh when you're just berating yourself when slaying in bed with insomnia at night it's like you'll be thinking <laughs> the mo- the worst things in the world about who you are as a person and it's just like man let's go easy on ourselves The uh, life is hard enough without piling on
2: Oh, dude, man, I, I certainly don't need any help to, to wreck myself. You know, when, when my son moved out, uh, we have a little board on, on the fridge, and he wrote, love yourself. <laughs> that was his parting message. So I completed the sentence by saying, and, and if you can, not just love the ass out of your dog. So I've been doing that ever since. But, uh... <laughs> yeah, that's, that's
3: the easier part of the equation.
2: That is certainly the easiest part, but uh, folks, don't forget that this show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity, uh, home of the no commission salespeople. And we have a special offer until the end of the month. We're going to see how it goes. Uh, And if you haven't heard it yet, you must live under a rock because we are all over social media Um, at both my stores. Until the end of the month, you come in for service, and we will pay for the HST for you. Um, First responders will get preference. There will always be room for you. It doesn't matter if I have to stay open late just for you and look after your car. We will do this for you. Uh, But everybody else, it doesn't matter the brand. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter what you drive. You come in at Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity, and uh, we will pay for your HST. We got you, fam. We got your back. And as usual, you know, celebrity guest from the East Coast to the West. <laughs> I'm living up to the song. You know that song is is <laughs> getting some traction, man. It's a, it's a it's a good song. Come on, you know the, it.
3: <laughs> yeah, the Carrasco rap. I'm 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 in on it, and I I do I do enjoy the Bruce Buffer introduction. So we'll have to talk a little bit about the UFC fight a little bit later on, as uh, oh. Conor McGregor is back in action tonight. And I know a lot oh. of people are excited about that, but. Uh, yeah, we'll go, we'll get, let's get to Tim here. Tim, uh, Tim, Tim's <laughs> we, been waiting on the line patiently as we're uh, talking
5: about our You know, our Tim Rouse, everybody. The
2: <laughs> this is Tim Rouse, the, uh, the president and CEO of the Canadian Automobile Association. How are you, Tim?
6: Good morning. Buenos dias, señor Carrasco. Uh, Gosto de bueno, estar con usted. Buenos oh, dias. Good good buenos guys.
2: dias a ti también. You know, uh, we were practicing uh, Ken's Spanish, and the only word he knows how to say is Araña.
6: <laughs> Not really. No, no es cierto. Creo que hablo mejor español que tú. ¿A ti ya se te olvidó?
2: Araña. No, 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 Good morning,
6: everyone. Thanks for having me, Greg. Uh,
2: no, no problem. It's always a pleasure to have you on air. And, uh, uh, you know, all things considered, I think that the the car industry did a remarkable job of of trying to bounce back for the uh, later part of the year 2020 and uh, you know certainly the second uh, restrictions and lockdowns have taken a massive toll on the industry what are you seeing so far um, you know this uh, in the early stages of 2021 but what else did you see at the end of 2020 Tim that I'm curious to see from you know from a CADA standpoint how did you see the industry
6: sure Uh, Greg, so from our side at CIDA, you know, our first priority was always to to ensure that dealerships were able to remain operational uh, during the pandemic and during the different lockdowns that we had. Now, remember, not every province was the same, right? You had some provinces with uh, pretty much no restrictions, and then you had a couple of provinces where, uh, during a couple of days, operations had to completely shut down. And uh, we worked very closely with our provincial associations and with the provincial governments. And making sure that it was understood that dealerships are actually essential services to keep the, the vital infrastructure of the country running. And uh, once we we're able to make that clear and also arm the dealers with uh, health and safety protocols, um, you know, the governments uh, reacted and classified dealerships as essential services. And that was done last year. And and. Uh, I think the the importance of having done that the right way with the government, with the right health and safety uh, uh, protocols initially has now, uh, I want to say, paid off as the second wave of sort of shutdowns rolled across that it was never in doubt or in discussion of whether dealerships uh, could remain operational. It was just an issue of trying to define exactly how to do that. so. Uh, I, I think, by and large, dealerships were able to remain operational. And as you know, dealerships are probably the, the most entrepreneurial, or one of the most entrepreneurial uh, businesses, businesses out there. Um, and they they've been able to adjust and adapt uh, throughout the crisis. And that, coupled with the supports that we were able to to get from the government, um, also to the dealers, especially the emergency weight subsidy, has enabled dealerships, by and large, to remain afloat, weather the storm. Now, having said that. Uh, you just alluded to what are the first months of, or, you know, what are we forecasting for the first months of 2021? Yep. It's, it's going to be a difficult struggle. Yeah. Um... I mean, you see lockdowns uh, uh, still happening. I mean, you have one province in, in Quebec where where showrooms are completely shut down. Right?
2: So you know, I have a question for you on that one, Tim. And, and you know, I and I have to ask you this question because it's uh, something that affects us all. Now, did we fail as an organization to the dealers in Quebec, or was it that the government was just inflexible and they continue with this police state that is going on in Quebec in in Quebec as a province?
6: Uh, I, I think uh, it in in the in the case of, of Quebec, it's it's more of a fact of, of different uh, authorities having uh, influence over different parts of the business. So uh-huh. it's interesting that it's not necessarily the health and safety officials that sometimes uh, prevent things from happening. You also have, for example, consumer agencies uh, in Quebec saying, well, any and all sales need to be closed on dealer premises, right? So that then you know, uh, um, uh, limits what dealers can do in terms of home delivery and you know, uh, a remote signing of documents and things of that nature, right? So I think it's more of a confluence of factors of, 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 of the authorities uh, than it is, um, uh, you know, as an, as an industry not, not being able to do that. And, and again, dealers have found a way, together with the authorities, that still are now able to enact and transact sales, yeah, but obviously in a, in a somewhat more um, a convoluted, let's say, fashion than it is uh, here in, in Ontario, where, you know, you, it's by appointment, Right. And you can do it, and as long as you're within certain parameters, you can you can still. Uh, so let me you know, ask you: are,
2: are dealers able to service vehicles in in Quebec, yeah. or yes? Also, oh, yes. they yes. can. So, but yes. for sales, they're completely closed.
6: <clears throat> yeah, uh, the the showrooms are closed. The showrooms are closed. Uh, but again, working our provincial association, there CCAQ, and us, and working with the government, there have been ways. That have been found for example you know you can sign the documents on you know the dealer premises meaning not in the showroom but you can do it outside uh you can do it at the customer's home which was not possible during the first lockdown so uh, a solution has been found so that sales operations are there, right? But the showrooms itself physically are, are closed in, in Quebec.
2: Have you found that banks are very, very slow to respond to this new way of doing business by re- still requiring uh, wet signatures? Because that was one of the biggest challenges that we had. I mean, we can conduct the entire transaction online, but then the bank wanted wet signatures, and then, which meant contact.
6: Right. So um, initially, the banks were were um, uh, reluctant. Yeah, I, I would say. And then, uh, thanks to uh, uh, some pressure that we put on, uh, with all lending institutions, not just banks, but also captive uh, financing companies, uh, they slowly started coming around. And we had at least three major banks in the first shutdown uh, come out with processes that enabled uh, things to proceed without wet ink signature. However. These, some of the workarounds that were found were, were unfortunately unduly burdening a financial risk on the dealer in case something happened, right? Yep. Uh, so we didn't want that to happen either. So there, there is no, no silver bullet found yet, but I can assure you that both at CADA and the lending institutions uh, and the regulatory authorities, in the case of Ontario ONVIC, right, and the provincial associations, uh, we're working to try to find solutions on that. But those are very complex because you get also into banking laws and oh, yeah. things of that nature
2: you know so i mean strictly from a dealer and a business standpoint uh, tim you know what are some of the things that the cada is currently working on to support dealers uh let's say as it pertains to the province of ontario right now although the show is going to be heard across the country uh, we are in ontario f- for now and uh, you know let's address ontario so what is the cada doing right now to support dealers in ontario
6: Right. there's there's a couple of things that are important. Uh, as I mentioned the the what was a key um, uh, last year and uh, the first months of this year is the emergency white subsidy uh, program that originally dealers were not uh, going to be a part of um, when it was first announced. Uh, and thanks to uh, a very strong uh, grassroots effort by all dealers in Canada, we were able to to convince the government to change how how they approached it. So that basically, it's regardless of size and what your balance sheet looks like, is if you have a revenue drop uh, of a certain percentage, you can access the emergency wage subsidy, and that proved key last year to remain uh, to keep dealers dealers afloat and weather the crisis. Now, going into this year, that emergency wage subsidy has been extended into the summer of this year.
2: Yeah, June, uh, I believe.
6: Yeah, unfortunately, uh, there are no clear, let's say, rules of implementation yet for the months of March onwards, right? So uh, this is going to get a bit technical, but um, the way the emergency wage subsidy worked last year was uh, a year-over-year comparison of 2020 to 2019. And if you have had a percentage revenue drop, you were able to access proportionately um, uh, an emergency wage subsidy support, right? Mm-hmm. So that year-over-year comparison, that still works in January and February of this year, right? But mm-hmm. as you move into March doing a comp- and, and April, doing a comparison of 2021 versus the absolutely horrendous months of uh, March-April 2020 wouldn't make any sense, right? So and no, the government hasn't figured that out yet or hasn't officially announced that yet. So we're working with them on that, and what we're proposing is very straightforward. Just keep 2019 as the baseline, uh, uh, a year to compare against. Right. So, so is that what we
2: use? Is that what we're using right now? 2019.
6: Uh, that 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 during 2020, 2019 was used as a baseline as a comparison. Right. Yeah. Now, January and February, it's still comparing now 2021 versus January and February 2020. That's still okay. It, but once you move into March, right? That's when the crisis fully hit. That's when the bottom fell out. (laughs) Yeah, exactly when the bottom fell out, not just in our industry, but every industry. Right. So if all of a sudden you're going to compare this year to the, the bottomless pit of last year, it doesn't make sense. Nobody would qualify. So the government understands that, but they haven't figured out how to do it. So we've done, we've proposed a very easy solution, hey guys, for the months of March all the way through June, just use 2019 as a baseline.
2: Well, that sounds reasonable, but uh, often reasonable is not something that resonates with government agencies, as you very well know.
6: I well, I'd like to push back on that a little bit I have to say, by and large, we've uh, you know we've had very good relationships and discussions with the government. By and large, uh, they've they've been very receptive. And again, the the fact that the emergency waste subsidy was even extended and and was designed the way it was. Uh, I think is a thanks in large part to to the great work that that the dealers and their respective associations did. Now the other they, the other program that we're working on very uh-huh. uh, closely, and this is one that we're working on with the manufacturers, and uh, I think we've talked about in the past is uh, uh, the potential for a scrappage program.
2: What is um, happening with that? We talked about that last time you were on the show, and uh, this garbage program uh, is something that would help so many dealers to put cars you know, out of commission that shouldn't be on the road, but also to put new vehicles out there that are far more environmentally friendly and, and fuel efficient.
6: Right. So what we're proposing, and again, this is a proposal as industry. So this is not just the dealers. It's all the manufacturers and also the parts suppliers. Okay. So it's the whole automotive industry. Is aligned in this proposal. We're proposing uh, a, a, a scrappage incentive of up to three thousand dollars if you scrap a vehicle that is older than ten or twelve years, and you substitute it with something that's newer, let's say zero to two years, right? And that's fully aligned, by the way, also with the with the environmental targets of the government, right? With to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Um, so we've, we've been pushing very hard on that program. Now, obviously, the government has sort of been pushing uh, pushing back. And, uh, and kicking the can down the road on any recovery programs because we're not in a recovery yet, right? We just went into our second wave. So just from a timing perspective, there's been a sort of a delay on it. And then the second point, which is uh, still unfortunate, is that in the discussions currently with the different government entities, uh, they are receptive to the idea, uh, but we're, are counterproposing, if you will, to apply it only to a brand-new electric vehicle on the front end.
2: Yeah, um, that doesn't work. It, it, it yeah, does not normal. work. I mean, um, you know, a lot of car dealerships and a lot of car manufacturers, they still don't have, uh, you know, vehicles that are electric that would actually, you know, fall within the budget of the middle class. Never mind the lower class, <laughs> the, the middle class. You know, most people cannot afford to buy an electric car. And that's my beef with the electric uh, industry. It's got nothing to do that. I'm against electric cars. No, by all means, get them all out. But... Until they become, you know, cost efficient for the regular family uh, to have them, you are only benefiting the, benefiting the people that don't need any more benefit.
6: Exactly. So that's, that's precisely the sort of economic argument that we've made um, uh, with the government. And we've also made clear to say, listen, if you want to add something on as a sort of on top for EVs, right? That you, you offer a, a scrappage incentive of, of, like we said, 3,000, regardless of what vehicle. And then if it is an EV, you make that not three, but you make it four or 5,000 by all means, right? But don't take away the base because otherwise the take rate, if you will, on a program like that is going to be uh, very, very small. And you're actually not going to have an economic recovery effect that you're, that you're forecasting. Right.
2: Well, you certainly won't. But uh, you know, I, I I wish you all the luck in the world. If there was anything that we can do here with this show, in all, in order for us to help you push that program through, please just let me know because I think it's going to be a massive injection uh, of business, especially for people that are driving vehicles that are way too old that is costing them way too much money, and um, it's going to be a good way to um, to inject some some sort of momentum into the business. Now. Um, have you guys updated the forecast uh, for the car industry in the year 2021 yet?
6: Um, actually, we, we we just recently sort of took a, a full look at the, the numbers again, and we have not adjusted our forecast. However, we have a bit of uh, updated assumptions, if you will. The, the first thing is that the market overall came in at 1.53 million last year. That's um, a 25% together. drop, no? That's a 20% drop, and in, in okay. Ontario, it's 23%, right, uh, uh, for the year. Um, so that's actually a bigger drop than in the financial crisis of 2018. That's what a lot of people sort of forget, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
6: Um, you know, that, uh, okay, it didn't drop 60% as we uh, some people thought when we are you know, uh, star- staring into the abyss in April, right, of that's last right. year. But nevertheless, it's still down 20%. Um, now, so it came in a little bit lower even than our expectation of 1.6 that we had for last year. For this year, we are forecasting 1.8 uh, a million for the market. However, we've always said that there's upside and, and downside to that, to that forecast. Uh, the upside is obviously if, you know, vaccine rollouts uh, 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 move along very quickly and we have economic recovery programs from the government in place in the second half of the year, then, you know, there, there might be an upside to that number. However, there's now also a downside. And let's say the probability of some of those downside effects um, uh, happening to the 1.8 have now just gone up in the last couple of weeks because of, A, uh, there's still, I would say, a bit of uncertain uh, vaccine rollout, Yeah. Uh, so second- it's a
2: mess, <laughs> Tim. It's it's a mess. Let's call it for what it is. We don't even we'll run out of vaccine. I think you know. I don't I don't see that uh, that happening anytime soon, and that is affecting all the internal forecasts for most car manufacturers. So I yeah. mean, there's there's got to be a really downside to this, uh, the lack of or the inefficiency in the rollout of the vaccines. No. Yeah,
6: yeah, and the and the second piece, as you know, is is the is the product shortage that we're starting to see and we'll see in the coming months depending on how long the supply chains are from each manufacturer uh, due to the uh, electronic chip shortage right uh, that's that we right. have worldwide so and that's going to affect by the way different brands in, at different times right those that have a short supply chain are going to be affected almost immediately now right those that have a longer supply chain of let's say 2 months because the vehicles are coming from asia or from europe uh-huh. uh, won't feel it for another 2 months
2: and uh, and and before we break, uh, uh, Tim, you guys, uh, you know, as, a, as an organization, uh, the CADA has a summit that is happening, um, you know, in, within the next couple of weeks. Can you tell uh, all the people that work in the car industry and dealer principals and GMS and whatnot uh, what's happening on February the third?
6: Sure. Thanks. Thanks for that, Greg. So we're having our our yearly summit, the CADA summit. This year, obviously, it's virtual. It's happening on February 3rd from 1 to 5 Eastern time. Um, and we have a phenomenal lineup uh, uh, this year. We have, uh, amongst others, we have Stephen Polos, the former governor, governor of the Bank of Canada. We have uh, David Frum, political commentator and uh, chief editor of The Atlantic. Uh, you know, He's going to be talking about the U.S. situation and the relations U.S.-Canada. So that will be interesting. We have an awesome dealer panel with uh, Kim Day. Uh, Charles Seillon, Susan Gubasta, and Steve Chipman. And then we have a, a panel on sort of the industry, uh, uh, the future of the manufacturing uh, industry, automotive uh, manufacturing industry in Canada with uh, Jerry Dias from Unifor, Flavia Volpe from the parts manufacturers, and Dennis DeRose. So a tremendous lineup. Go to our website, yeah, uh, CIDA.ca, yeah, to look at the full lineup. Uh, go to our website and and register. It's ninety nine dollars for dealers, and with that you get uh, five logins. Yeah, for non-members it's uh, two ninety nine. And by the way, we'll also be uh, presenting the dealer satisfaction awards that we uh, just completed. So uh, where the dealers got to rate their their uh, manufacturers this year, uh, including a a special COVID uh, uh, section that we put in for the first time, where dealers had the opportunity to sort of gauge how their how their manufacturers did um, in responding to the pandemic. So very interesting results uh, that we'll be publishing very soon. And um, uh, the awards for that will also be presented during the summit.
2: So once again, uh, where can dealers go to get the details on this?
6: www.cada.ca
2: that is amazing you know one day before I retire uh, this illustrious career of mine uh, Tim I, I hope to be in one of those panels where people actually listen to me never mind the hundreds <laughs> of thousands of people that listen to the show but uh, Tim on, you again
6: got, you, have, you have your own summit going every Saturday right? <laughs> every, what are talking about for
2: straight out three hours every Saturday you know that's Tim Rouse everybody president and CEO of the Canadian Auto Dealers Association Tim the platform is, is yours whenever you need to communicate in, you know, anything to the public and the dealers uh, the dealer body just don't hesitate just give me a call and uh, we get you up on air thank you so much for calling in Tim
6: thanks Greg take care and uh, have a great day and the uh,
2: rest of the weekend thank you brother we'll talk soon ciao hermano folks you are listening to the Greg Carrasco show Canada's largest automotive radio show with my friend Ken Stapen here the show is for you about you and for you alone You have to call us at 416-870-1050 is the number. And if you're calling from out of town, it's 1-855-591-6876. This show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity, home of the no commission salespeople. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show, Canada's largest automotive radio show, with my friend Ken Stapen here. If you have anything to say about anything, especially cars, you have to call 416-870-1050 is the number. We are live to you right now if you're calling from of town it's 1-855-591-6876 and if you want to reach me on social media you can just type in at Greg Carrasco and you'll find me I'm easy to find that's the problem it's a big problem you know Tim Rouse is always such a good interview you know and uh, you know when I first talked to him I, I had no idea that he was uh, Spanish he's you know he speaks fluent uh, I think he was born in uh, Mexico City, if I'm not mistaken. I think Mexico, yes. But, uh, he's been all over the world running car manufacturers. At one point, he was uh, the head of Mercedes-Benz Canada, and now in his latest post is uh, the head of the CADA. You know, he always has some interesting insight. You know, I meant to really, uh, you know, ask him a little bit, um, a, a pointy question in relation to the uh, to the dealers in Quebec, uh, you know, like wh- what were the plans to open those dealers? I mean, those guys are struggling over there. Uh, they've been shut down for a while. And, uh, you know, when the police is, you know, is policing, pardon the redundance, uh when the police is policing the streets, <laughs> it's like, what? What is this? <laughs> Moscow? 19
3: 1911 what's happening there man yikes I, I don't know if i go all the way to the moscow example but certainly it's uh they've how do you think it started well yeah well they've taken it very seriously in quebec and uh, like you said hope that a lot of these businesses can pull it out because it's been difficult for us in ontario but certainly the sanctions put on by the provincial government over there have been uh, a little bit more strict even than the ones in ontario so
2: I think the strict is a severe understatement,
3: but, you know, either way. Hey, let's ask Lou what he thinks. We, <laughs> we'll bring in uh, Lou Skiza, slacker number three. Lou,
4: how are you doing hey, this hey, morning? Ken, Greg, good to be with you guys.
2: Uh, cold day. Right? Oh, it's, it's pretty cool outside, I, yeah. My
3: car was just warming up by the time I got out. There's a Macowan Road. It took took probably about 20 minutes, half an hour. I don't have heated seats in there. Maybe I need to talk to Greg about picking something up with some of those. But uh, it wasn't the most pleasant ride in.
4: Yeah, no, you got to have good wheels. And from what I'm told, you know, a cold winter uh, tends to drive more marginal vehicles off the road, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely and uh you know snowstorms do wonders uh for body shops and parts departments across the country <laughs> especially with BMW 3 series in the ditch and the 407 that that usually happens you know <laughs>
4: So the scrappage uh, program that uh, you were speaking about, that's a proposal, right, to allow people with old vehicles to turn them in and pick up something that is more uh, efficient
2: and newer, somewhat newer, but not necessarily brand new, right? Right. That's, I mean, within one or two years old, uh, and that's the idea to get something you know more fuel efficient, um, more emission or environmentally friendly. And uh, there is a lot of marginal vehicles out there that should be taken off the road. I mean, I you got to see some of the stuff that people you know drive in with uh, Lou at the store.
4: Well, you know, I read a statistic some time ago that the average age of the rolling stock, now this is in the U.S., is like 13 years old. Um,
2: Well, you know, look, if if anybody listens to what I preach here on the show, uh, it's not something that scares me, uh, but it gets to the point that you are pushing uh, the, uh, the life of your vehicle to a point that is connected to your pocket as a, as a life support. So, you know, the math that I always ask the consumer to, to do is the following. If the repairs of your vehicle are equal to or greater than the 30% of the wholesale value of your car. So to give you an example, if you have a $10,000 car from a wholesale standpoint, and the next repair is going to cost you $3,000 or more, it's time. Like, it it is time. You you cannot continue to do this because I can tell you this. You're going to invest the money. You're going to invest three you know 30 percent to keep the vehicle alive but the vehicle is gonna it's not gonna go up in value 30 percent that's literally money lost so you know all things considered i think that maintenance is significantly less expensive than repair so people that maintain vehicles it may seem more expensive at first but in the long run something that is well maintained will always last you longer and cost you less would you agree with that Yeah, well, here's what I wanted to ask you, and I don't want to take up all of
4: your time because I know you got a lot of calls. A couple of weeks ago, you were talking about the problem during this lockdown pandemic scenario where tires were uh, becoming flat, or you called them, I think, block uh, or square tires (laughs) or something like that. What else can we do? to maintain our vehicles at a time like for myself, Greg, my car is hardly leaving the driveway.
2: You know, it doesn't take a lot. You know, if you you can start your car at least every three or four days and take it around the block and park it, Just take it around the block and park it. It's one of the number one preventative measures that you can take towards your vehicle that will, you know, make any problem go away. And, you know, sometimes I should practice what I preach because I have a motorcycle and, uh, you know, I, I broke up with my motorcycle maintenance guy because he was just terrible. So I have the motorcycle for the first time in my garage. And uh, you know sometimes I just don't even go to the garage because the bike is so big. And you know, the other day I went to turn it on, boom, it was dead. And, uh, and now I you know, constantly need to move it back and forth. Otherwise, you're gonna get flat spots on your tires and it's gonna drive you insane. Um, I think that um, that's the number one piece of advice for people that are sitting on vehicles there for you know, months at a time. If you wanna avoid any long-term problems with your machine, you know, if you don't lose it, if you don't use it, you lose it, right?
4: okay so just get out for a short turn every three or four days and everything should be okay
2: Everything should be okay just start it up take it for a drive around the block that's it you don't you know it, this shouldn't take you more than a minute but you'd and be what surprised. About- What about like stuff, you know, like
4: my vehicle hasn't been moving that much. And, you know, I I I look at when I'm supposed to do an oil change. Do I stick to that mileage uh, milestone or do I say, you know what, it's been it needs that oil has deteriorated.
2: Is that true? Uh, Not really. I think that look, I'm going to make a lot of enemies with this, but the reality is this that oil changes today and vehicle performance have improved so much over the last 10, 15 years that you don't necessarily need to change the oil as often as you, as, as you are being recommended. Now, saying that, I don't know if it's a good idea for you not to go to your dealer every 6,000 kilometers or six months. It's too long. You know, I, I always associate or, or draw a direct comparison um, with your car maintenance to your dentist. Yes, you don't have to go, you know, three, four times a year to the dentist. You don't have to. But by the time you find the problem, it may be too late and then you may have to get a root canal and root canals are far more expensive and far more painful than just going in there every three months just to get yourself a cleaning and a checkup, which is what I do.
4: Okay, well, thanks, Greg. Uh, good to be with you again. Uh, continued success and happy capitalism.
2: <laughs> Thank you, Lou. You're amazing, always with those fascinating questions that I that I get to answer on uh, on live radio. You know, it's amazing how how many things when when you work in an industry for as long as I have it's very. Easy to take things for granted. It's very easy to assume that people know things uh, when they don't. And, uh, you know, Lou from time to time comes up with these pieces of gold that he just shoves in there, you know. And speaking of maintenance, don't forget that Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity is paying for your HST until the end of the month when you service a vehicle with us. Book an appointment online and we'll look after you. But we have another caller from Mississauga, Bob. Thank you for calling the Carrasco show. How are
0: you, sir? I very well thank you. Uh, before we get into my question, I just have one thing to share with you, if I could. Yep. Yeah, of course. Uh, the uh, president uh, of the uh, Gold Corolla Club, <laughs> sen- Center Love. <laughs> Say hello for me. Oh, I will. Is
6: that a Gold Corolla, or are you just happy to see me?
2: It <laughs> could be both. It, it, could, it could be, but uh, how can we help you, Bob?
0: Uh, uh, so Kia Seltos, the new crossover they have. Yep. So a friend of ours bought one last summer, and uh, she's had the re- transmission replaced on it twice, and the motherboard. Is this is this a recurring issue with these vehicles?
2: Um, okay. Whenever you produce 100,000 of anything, you are bound to have vehicles that will have an issue here and there. But uh, no, what I can tell you is this, that anecdotes are not a good indication of a vehicle's performance. Um, the reality is that she just got one of those vehicles that, you know, has a problem. That's all there is to it. But no, Kia, you know, Kia is, what, is one of the best car manufacturers on the planet. So it's not a representation of of what that uh, the Celtos is doing. In fact, they're selling a lot of those cars. So, and rightfully so, it's beautiful to look at. Um, but uh, no, I, I wouldn't stay away from that vehicle at all. Now, the one thing that I will advise people to do, though, is that we've all seen what internet algorithms will do to your life and to your opinions. Whatever you go looking for on the web, it will give it to you times 10. Yeah. So if you, if you go looking for problems with Kia in a Seltos, yeah. that's exactly what the internet has been programmed to understand and do for you. So it will validate whatever assumption you're you punching in on your Google query. So I, I probably yeah i would i wouldn 't probably do that. Uh, I would say that uh, you know just keep the the, the monitoring of, of that vehicle uh, closely, just make sure that all the records are being conducted uh, I mean all the records are being kept. Make sure that the service is being done at the local Kia store because um, you know the moment that you move away from servicing your vehicle yeah. uh, out of the brand that you bought it from it's when you run into different problems so I would ask your friend just to be patient i mean for for two transmissions to fail. It's highly unlikely for three transmissions to fail. It's virtually impossible. Yeah. So eventually they're going to fix the problem and she's going to be fine.
0: Okay. Well, thank you. And you need to get back on TV.
2: Ah, <laughs> uh, You know, I have a face perfect for radio, Bob. That's, uh, that's why uh, the show continues. But uh, no, I'm too ugly for TV. Come on, people man.
0: People of Sons of Anarchy.
2: <laughs>
0: uh, I don't know. But
3: <laughs> that, that's Greg right. when he takes his bike in the summer just wheeling
0: around could be a reboot of Sons of Anarchy
2: hey listen I, uh, I, I love the show it's craziness but uh, you know speaking of Sons of Anarchies and motorcycles and tattoos I've been jonesing for new ink man I, you have no idea Ken what I would do right now just to get on a chair and just get some more ink on me it's
3: very therapeutic for a lot of people. Myself included, I have a couple of tattoos, not as many as you, judging by the sleeves that I see in our in our Zoom call. But no, I think uh, and people who don't have tattoos, I don't think will understand this, but it's kind of people that do. It just almost seems like it's just very straightforward. It's just sometimes it helps you deal with difficult situations. I think after this year, certainly, a lot of people are going to be excited to jump back in the chair and no, man, this man, is the best time of year to do it because if there's no warrior. sun,
2: there's no water. Warrior paint. Warrior paint. You know, better times are coming. And I don't have sleeves. I have a shirt. You know, one of these things I'll show you man. You'll see.
3: Something to look forward to. He said facetiously into his
2: microphone. <laughs> I, I will I will assault your eyeballs with <laughs> Oh my goodness. With a tattoo shirt. But anyways, folks. Uh, This show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan. And uh, until the end of the month, there is 0% financing up to almost forever on every 2020 product that is left on ground. So don't miss out. Now, remember this. You know, cars have ceased to be a want. They are a need right now. So if you don't need it, stay home. But if you do, you are making a huge, huge Mistake if you don't at least consider going into oakvillenissan.com and checking out what we have to do here. Um, the number to call is 416 870 1050, and you're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. Money Mike is on the other side of the hour. Stay tuned, he's gonna make you money. I have been a rich man and I have been a poor man, and I choose rich every <laughs> time. Uh
0: huh, yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
2: If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show, Canada's largest automotive radio show, and the show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. And until the end of the month you can get yourself a twenty twenty QX sixty limited edition for five eighty nine or is it five sixty nine? You know, we always change that price. I can't remember now. Let's say five eighty nine with twenty nine ninety nine down on a twenty seven month lease. Folks, that is less money than a Toyota Highlander. What? How is that possible? Money Mike is in the house. Money Mike. Welcome back.
7: Mr. Carrasco, how are you this morning?
2: I am. You know, if uh, you know, I will answer you honestly. I am. Uh, I am pumped full of CBD. I, I was feeling pretty anxious this morning, <laughs> and oh. uh, uh, I. Uh, so I, I order. Um, I have an order of CBD at home. That sometimes, you know, whenever my anxieties are just creeping up, I take a couple of uh, drops, and you know, and then you can glide. What do you th- have? You ever done that, Ken?
3: I'm familiar with it. It's actually been. Um, articulated that CBD oil can be very useful as well in the recovery for athletes or former athletes who you know, have issues with you know, soreness, with recovery well, in their bodies, and also the psychological benefits of it. So I'm familiar with the use of CBD in the sort of aspects that you're using it in, but I've never personally tried it myself.
2: You know, I, uh, I had a pretty uh, hard session yesterday of training, and uh, I was so unbelievably sore this morning. That uh, I, I needed to find some relief, in. so in answer to your question mike uh, you know i 'm doing, uh, doing okay right now <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, that is good uh, that is you know good.
2: I, I was afraid that i was uh, I was losing my voice for the last couple of days you know I, I have had this silly. Uh, this silly cough for almost two months now that just won't go away but um, you know I'm not sick it's just I call my doctor and he says um, they call this a three-month cough and uh, what what happens is that I had a cold at the beginning of December and uh, you know when you get your throat irritated you cough and then when you cough you get your throat irritated and vice versa and it just never goes away the virus is long gone but you know you just can't uh and, and sometimes you cough so much that my voice goes. So I was um, I was even questioning whether I, I was going to be able to do the show this morning. But, uh, you know, an ancient Carrasco recipe on my cup here that uh, uh, it seemed to have brought uh, my voice back a little bit, at least for the initial three hours of the day. But uh, how was your week?
7: It was, uh, well, exactly as you said at the beginning of the hour, it's been extremely busy. Uh, and for some reason... It seems to pick up on Fridays, where Friday was traditionally a quieter time in my industry. I, without a word of exaggeration, I think I must have spoken to eight or nine different clients and uh, and people from the radio show, if literally in the last two hours of Friday.
2: That is is amazing. Um, and uh, folks, if if you have never heard Mike on the show, uh, Money Mike is um is not only a friend of mine, but he's also my my personal financial advisor. He is the one that looks after my, all my moolah. And uh, he also was the one that uh, grabbed my hand and steered me in the right direction because just just because you can make money, it doesn't mean that you can keep your money. So, you know, Mike, uh, with all his expertise and his behavioral, um, you know, help and analysis of what you do, uh, he's helped me. Uh, get my finances in order not that they were in disorder before but i was certainly irresponsible and um you know i think that mike is the person that holds me accountable with my own monies and uh, he usually specializes on high net worth people but uh, he made an exception with me so you know i um he came down from limbo to mingle with the commoners so I, i thank you for sitting by blessing my table mike (laughs)
7: yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes. I think your nose is growing, my friend, but I'll I'll take it. I'll take it.
2: <laughs> you know, I um I was uh, I've been thinking a lot about this because um uh this is the season. It's not the season to be jolly. It's this is the season of RSPs. Yes. And um, I, I, wanted to, um, I wanted to inject a little bit of knowledge people, for people in the city that, um, that may or may not be as aware of all the benefits that uh, are available to them by the government through RSPs and TFSAs and, and all those things that are available to us. Now, what is the deadline for the RSPs, uh, Mike?
7: It's always the first 60 days of the year, which typically is March 1st except, of course, in the leap year when it ends up being February 29th. But uh, March 1st this year
6: is the deadline.
2: And that's uh, when you need to have your RSPs uh, straight up going into your um, in, into your um, accounts.
6: Money's got to be
7: in there if you want to use it for your 2020 tax return. So that's the hard stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know what? I, I, I will, Obviously, the, the topic is uh, well timed. This is when everyone's thinking about RSPs, but I want us to have a different type of conversation about RSPs. Uh, you know, we'll talk a little bit of the basics, but then I want to get into more behind the mindset and the and the purpose of RSPs, and and not the simplistic view that uh, you know you would traditionally discuss. But we have to start at the simple. Let's start at the basics. Why do we do RSPs? Uh, RSPs are taken out by people in order to save for retirement, obviously, uh, to create a tax deduction so that they can reduce the income taxes they owe the government at the end of the year, get hopefully a bit of a refund. And, and the benefit of those RSP investments is that they get to grow tax-deferred, not tax-free, tax-deferred, until you ultimately decide to take them out pre-retirement, in retirement, whenever you decide to remove them.
2: You know, for me, Mike, it was such a brain cramp to be able to figure this out. You see, as an immigrant, I had no idea. Those, you know... uh, you know, Growing up in Chile, these sort of tools are not available to people that came from where I came from. So you know, okay. coming in here and understanding the tax brackets and, and how a tax deferral system um, would affect me, I had no idea how to conceptualize it. But um, I mean, can we break it down for, for people that, so they understand? It's like, for, you know, for example, if you are in your 30s and 40s and you have a six-figure income, yeah. you are at the highest tax bracket that you can possibly be correct?
7: You you, you generally are. I mean, the the top tax bracket in Canada actually kicks in at $220,000 a year. So if your income exceeds that, you're at the absolute highest level. But sort of as you said, if you're making six figures, you're at a high enough level, you're at a pretty high level of taxation. Uh, So it's worth your time to take a look at that. So, you know, over, let's say, in the, Just as long as you're six figures, you're paying more than a 43% tax rate, even though the top tax rate is at 53%. 43 is still pretty high.
0: So, now, yeah, there's I, I, huge benefits th-
2: to it. I'm going to throw a wrench at you on this one. I, okay. This is just from personal curiosity. From a, so, tax, from a tax burden perspective, how does Canada you know, ranks amongst the uh, civilized countries uh, as to how you know, heavily their citizens are taxed? Would you know such a thing?
1: No,
7: I've never done the research. I, I, I know that we're highly taxed. I mean, Canada has got to rank up there for sure. We're a socialist country. I mean, a lot of what we do is to, to take the wealth of society as a whole to benefit society as a whole. So, you know, I, I know I'm not someone who's really afraid of the, of the S word. Um, you know, I recognize the fact that this society works well because we're all in it together. And, and I don't pave the roads and I don't build the schools and I don't employ the police and the ambulance and, and doctors. Uh, we do that as a society as a whole. So, you know, we've all got to contribute to that and everybody gets the benefit. So we pay. It, it is expensive to have the lifestyle that we have here. And, you know, our, our standard of living, our economic prospects, the, our health care system and education system is among the best in the world so there's a there's a price for that and and that's where the taxes come in
2: you know one day when we're not talking about financial planning you and I are going to conduct um uh, political sparring when it comes to what you just said we can debate
7: um, absolutely yes
2: absolutely. because uh, i i have been triggered so yeah <laughs> i'm joking i'm joking i'm joking <laughs> uh, so you're really you know,
7: joking uh, slightly i know where you're coming from it's all good
2: you know the the only problem is with using other people's monies to do good is that uh, eventually you run out of other people's monies, and uh, then it's where the problems begin. Especially yeah. if you are overspending, at some point you need to keep on taking. So you know you can look at it from two perspectives. You know if you are at a forty three percent tax break, I mean a tax bracket, and then uh, you add the thirteen percent HST on everything that you buy, you're looking at fifty six percent. Then you're looking at your property tax and here and there. Next thing you know, you're paying sixty five percent of the dollar. So you are working sixty five percent of your life for the government so the government you know essentially they own a majority of your income so you work for the you belong to the government you work for the government
6: <laughs> well that's that's not an inflammatory position at all to take
1: no of course uh, not.
7: <laughs> you know i i have you know and sadly i probably know um more these days from a political perspective about the u.s than i do about canada just because how much the u.s is in the news but you know, I'm well aware that back in the 60s and 70s, the U.S. had the their top marginal tax bracket never fell below 87%. I don't know off the top of my head at what income level it was required to to trigger that, but the point being, that was the t- the time when the middle class and society grew the most. That's where infrastructure was created. And a lot of the things that people benefit from the education system and, and its infrastructure was all created at that time. So, anyway, I don't want to get too, too political. Yeah, let's uh, let's, let's, yeah, let's not let's let's, 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 let's not you let's have move. Okay,
2: so you know, sure. we're talking about uh, benefits that are available to people. You know, yeah. whatever political system that is, uh, we still have RSPs, and it's great. So
7: they, they how, really are. And, we got to use them to build our retirement savings, but this is this is where I wanted us to sort of step back from the traditional conversation and have a more in-depth conversation about why do we do RSPs? Mm-hmm. And I can, you know, 25 years of providing these to my clients, I can remember countless conversations that went exactly like this: Mike, if I if I put five thousand dollars in my RSP, uh, how much of a refund am I going to get? Okay. What if I make that eight thousand? Then what does my refund look like? And if I put in ten thousand, what is it? Okay. And and you know, people would traditionally make their decision on how much to contribute based on how much they would get back.
2: Yeah, it's it's amazing how many people. That's the number one question that they ask. If I put this money, yeah. this money in RSPs, how much am I going to get back? As if that is a windfall. But people miss the point, no?
7: Well, they do. and, and the point is we have to be thinking about what these contributions make for us at the end of the day. What kind of position does it put us in as far as building wealth and creating retirement? You know, when, when you get to the end of your working days and you look back, and, and for some people, they wait until they're finished working before they actually look at where they're at and say, now what can I do for retirement? And if you don't achieve your retirement goals, but you're able to look back and say, my, my retirement savings discussion was always, how much can I get back for how much I put into my RSPs? Then you've created your own problem. And so, you know, don't complain to me if you haven't reached your goals because you were never focused on your goals. You were only ever focused on the short term reducing your income taxes. And RSPs are so much more important than that. And truth be told, RSPs have been made less effective at that, at reducing the income taxes. You know, when when I first began in this industry, if you made more than thirty thousand dollars a year, you were in a forty-two percent tax bracket. Imagine put in put in ten thousand dollars, you get forty-two hundred dollars back. It, it was instantly a, a very successful way to create money in your pocket. Nowadays, to get that same forty-two uh, or forty-two percent tax bracket, you have to be making over a hundred thousand dollars, and that's just not the average Canadian. So you're not getting as a big a bang for your buck. In fact, if you're if you're literally making thirty thousand dollars a year, as you were in that first example, a ten thousand dollars RSP contribution gets you two thousand dollars back. Hmm. Not a lot of people earning 30000 a year can afford to put 10000 in, and they're certainly not going to do it for the sake of getting $2,000
6: back. So, you
2: know, but you know, look at it this way. Sorry to interrupt you, Mike, and, yeah. and this is something that I learned when I started to talk to you a little bit more in depth about this. Let's say that you do have uh, $10,000 and you put it into your RSPs and you are in a 40, 43% tax bracket and you yeah. do get $4,300 back. Right. So now, I mean, you just made 43% on your investment that you can invest back into your rsp's and get the compound interest interest on that amount you get now yeah. you get the interest on $14,000 so you well, can and, grow and, your and, go ahead no no please and you can grow your rsp and your contribution exponentially with with an actual return on the investment equivalent to the tax bracket that you're saving on no
7: you can and and you know that's There was somebody a a while ago who said to me, RSPs aren't taxable. And I said, what are you talking about? (laughs) You you take money out of an RSP, you pay tax on it. That's that's the the very definition of being taxable. He said, well, no, not really. If you think of it this way, when you put money into an RSP, the government gives you that tax back that you paid on that $10,000 of earning, for example. Okay. Um, Hold on to it. When you go to take that $10,000 out of your RSP in retirement, the government's going to want that tax money back. You just give it back to them. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. Well, that's an interesting way to put it.
8: So, in other words, we, we have to be using the
7: tax savings to also build our wealth so that we aren't killed on the other end of it when it comes time to live off that money. So, you know, just the idea of RSPs aren't taxable because the tax refund you get will offset its future taxation it's all part of the, the package. You can't ignore the one. So, you know, I'll often get this understanding with people, especially when somebody's sort of later in their career and they feel like they're behind in their retirement savings. And it it's become a sprint. It's no longer the marathon. And they'll they'll be very focused on saving as much as they can to plow as much money into their retirement savings as possible, which is great. That's, mm-hmm. that's fantastic. We gotta get there. But I've, I've tried to have the conversation from this perspective. So let's use your 40% tax bracket individual as the example. They're going to give me $10,000 to put into the RSPs because they're trying to catch up. And I'll say, you know what? You've got the room. We want to try to maximize this. out. And depending on what your, your income situation is, we want to take advantage of that bracket. Rather than giving me $10,000, let's do this. You give me your $10,000. Let's take out a $7,500 RSP loan. Now you're contributing $17,500 to your Okay. The tax refund in a 40% tax bracket will be $7,500. Take your tax refund and pay off the loan. Now you put in $17,500 towards retirement instead of 10.
2: Hold on, Mike, hold on for a second. Folks, are you listening to this? You know, this is the sort of information that you hear and you say, is that legal? (laughs) You know, it's it's information that is so good that if people were only paying attention to this, they would never have to go through financial hardship in the later years. You know, folks, if if this speaks to you right now and you need some guidance and you have some monies that are just sitting there in a bank account collecting dust and paying service fees to the bank, it is time for you to call Money Mike now. I'm going to say this again. Don't call him right now because he's with me right now on air. But if you want to reach Mike, you can uh, send him an email at moneymike.ca, or you can call him directly at 905-320-6762. That is Money Mike's direct phone number, 905-320-6762. But also, if you want to call him on on the show here right now, you can call him at 416-870-1050. Now, I, I want to reiterate, and I, I, let me just re- rephrase that. I want you to, to repeat what you just said, because I don't think that people understand this. And also, this is all scalable, because you're only talking about $10,000. If you do the same thing with $100,000 or $175,000, and you have the room in your RSPs, can you explain and talk about that?
7: Yeah, so, yeah, see, the, the second you said that, I should have turned my uh, my phone off here. I'm taking it off vibrate. I'm going to have to ignore that call coming in. Um, yeah. So, when you're in a situation of wanting to accelerate your retirement plan, you need to use the tax refund to your advantage. And you know, from a from a financial advisor standpoint, it is one of the most frustrating things. When clients are are trying to catch up on their retirement, they make that ten thousand dollar RSP contribution and the four thousand dollar tax refund disappears into the world.
4: Yep. They've got that you
7: know, the money is spent. Mm-hmm. They've got it planned already. So if you truly want to accelerate your plan and advance your retirement picture then what we can do is plan to get enough money into your RSPs by a combination of the the savings you're able to make and taking an R an RSP loan, such that the tax refund will pay off the RSP loan. You'll never even have to make a payment on it. You can you can plan out your finances to maximize what you build in retirement. That so is you fascinating. Are correct, like, if if you got if if you put yourself in a position to have thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars, you can dump in. Now I, I'm not. Please, listeners, don't run out and throw fifty thousand dollars into your RSP. We really have to take a look at your income, what the effect of that will be, because oftentimes you're better to put, you know, fifteen thousand dollars a year in to maximize your refund rather than dumping in fifty thousand dollars at once. It's a case by case situation, but if you've accumulated a large sum of money you could be in the position to take advantage of RSP loans to accelerate that and not have to carry the debt. So folks, we, we need to think about what we're doing and why.
2: Folks, you're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show here and uh, in the studio is Money Mike. Uh, he is my personal financial advisor in the personal... Uh, you know, the, the person that is uh, single-handedly responsible for, you know, my financial peace of mind. And uh, he's kind enough to share his knowledge with all of you. And uh, if you need him, you can call him on 905-320-6762 after the show, folks, we always say this and people never listen to it. Uh, we are going to take a small break, folks. And don't forget the show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity home of the no- people is 2021. And if you're still paying commission, when you buy a car, you are leaving money on the table, folks don't we'll be right back that is his walkout song (laughs) i i don't know why i'm I'm forever going to associate abba with you mike abba and um, total eclipse of the heart i keep (laughs) those things just remind me of you whenever i hear that silly song it's like yep that's mike
7: I can only blame Ken for the first part. The second part,
3: that's my fault. Shame, shame. That's uh, just as much technical (laughs) producers, Ben's contribution as well. And for, for me, Mike, I'll always think of you when I think of RRSPs or TFSAs, anything like that, straight to money, Mike.
7: Ah, oh, see, what a better thing than
5: Ab. Thanks.
2: Thanks <laughs> uh, folks, you're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show here, and uh, uh, with me this morning is uh, Money Mike. He's my personal financial advisor. If you want to speak to him on air because he's with us right now, you can call 416-870-1050, and if you want to call him after the show, you can call him at 905 905- Three two zero six seven six two, or you can send them an email at moneymike.ca and don't forget that this show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. Uh, we are always there. Now, you know, we, we're dissecting a little bit uh, of this idea of the RSPs, but uh, one of my buddies, my buddy Neil, just sent uh, a text. Um, can you answer that question on air?
7: Yeah. Yeah, sure. So, uh, he was saying, essentially, you know, you do that RSP contribution. What's it worth 10 years from now? You know, have it grow at six percent a year. I mean, never mind just the tax savings. What is it worth? And so the math works out that, you know, you throw ten thousand dollars in your RSP and ten years from now, you're just shy of eighteen thousand dollars. So it is something that I talk to my clients about, especially those that are much younger, who have longer than ten year time frames. Sometimes literally I'm sitting down with people in their thirties and they have a thirty year time frame. And so what I'm trying to help them to understand is don't think of this as what do I do with a $10,000 RSP contribution? It's not a $10,000 decision you're making. At 6% over 30 years, it's going to be worth $57,000. You are making a $57,000 decision today to make that $10,000 RSP contribution.
4: Damn. It's,
7: it's an important conversation. And, and so that's, that's the thing I want people to think about is what is the ultimate end goal and, and where do RSPs fit in? And, and that's the reason why we're doing it. It's not just about reducing income taxes. It's well, where, where are we going to end up down the road?
2: Where are we going to end up? I think that it's, it's very easy to, to forget that the decisions that you're making today are the decisions that will eventually look after an older version of yourself. And uh, that's something that resonated with me a little while ago. Uh, when, when I asked myself, like, who is going to look after old Greg? You know, when Greg is not this feisty, cantankerous, argumentative, <laughs> passionate <laughs> human. When, I, when the batteries run out, who is going to look after me? You know, and then, I don't want to live that long, but you know, either way, I think that it's very important that people understand that there are so many different versions of yourself. There is a twenty, a thirty, a forty, a fifty-year-old version of yourself. There is also a sixty, seventy, and eighty-year-old version of yourself. And at that point, you're not going to be able—or hopefully, you are—but I mean, many of us will not be able to be as productive from an income generation standpoint as you are today, like right now. Yeah. So. And the decisions that you make today are not one, two, five, $10,000 decisions. Depending on how long you have until you retire, you're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars that your life is going to be impacted when the time comes. Uh, Now, you know, why don't we talk a little bit about strategies, uh, you know, Mike, in relation to RSPs?
7: Yeah. So, you know, one of the again, sounds very basic strategies that we've talked about before that we need to dive a little deeper into, is spousal RSPs. Spousal RSPs, okay, so what is a spousal RSP? And I'm sure there are people out there that don't know what it is. A spousal RSP is a way for the higher income spouse to make an RSP contribution to benefit from the tax deduction, and yet give the assets themselves to the lower income spouse.
2: Okay, I have a question. Okay, I'm going to put my hand up. What is okay. considered to be a spouse?
7: What is considered to be a yeah? So let's say that uh, ha- yeah,
2: let's say that Ken is living with uh, his uh, uh, you know, you know, his partner for however many months. At what point that person becomes your spouse in in the eyes of the law?
7: And it comes down to in the lies of the tax law, right? So if you are legally married. Uh, And then yes, you can still benefit from spousal contributions for a common law relationship. Honestly, I don't know what the minimum time frame is off the top of my head. I want to say two years. I think it's two Uh,
3: years if you're living together, then you're uh, in a common law relationship. In the same address.
7: Yes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, I think from a common law perspective, that minimum is two years, and then you're able to benefit from it uh, on a tax side as well. So uh, let me Mike, verify that, ho- and, I'll, and I'll confirm it for you.
2: We have a call for you. We have Kevin from Toronto. Kevin, thank you for calling The Carrasco Show, and you have a question for Money Mike. Yeah.
1: Hi, guys. I do. Thanks for taking my call. No problem. Um, I appreciate it.
2: So, What's the I'm question? We give
1: you a Kevin? quick snapshot. Oh, thank you. Yeah, let me give you a quick snapshot here and uh, maybe you could give me some, uh, some quick advice. I'd really appreciate it. I'm 50 years old. I uh, retired from the military. I'm collecting a pension already. Um, because I got moved in the military, I had to sell my home. So I have, you know, some, some substantial savings in the bank as well as RSPs. Um, now, I don't want to work forever, maybe 60, 65, but I'm also in a position where I need to buy a house. What would be your opinion with regards to my savings? Should I just rent and throw my money into savings for a future retirement, or is it more beneficial to buy a home?
7: Well, you know, I'm a big fan of home ownership, Kevin. I mean, from a financial standpoint, it ends up being the largest financial asset and sometimes uh, one of the largest contributors to a person's net worth by owning a home. Uh, and there's so many other benefits, obviously, as quality of life uh, as well, uh, owning versus renting. But it's more expensive to own. So you really right. have to weigh both sides of the equation, and it is more than just a financial discussion. Um, and, Kevin, are you married,
1: single? I Yeah, no, I'm married. I have two kids in university. And my okay. my, uh, my head has been driving me towards getting back into a home because – You know, like you say, quality of life and and, uh, stability and things like that. Um, But just listening to you for the last half an hour here, uh, you just kind of put a B in my brain there as if to say, well, maybe I should just take my savings and just sock them away into RSPs or other investments and keep building. And and just rent. Um, But, you know, rent's expensive, and I feel it's money that's just being thrown away.
2: Kevin, if I can interrupt here for a second. Sorry, Mike. Uh, I think that is a, you know, whenever we we have Mike on the show and something that he says activates you, uh, it is very important that for you not to react. and, And, you know, you should probably call Mike after the show so he can actually assess your situation and see, what the best thing for you to do is because, you know, you, you don't know. Uh, and uh, once you sit down with him, he may be able to guide you in a different direction in, in a lot of it has to do with how much is there. Um, would you agree with that, Mike?
7: Yeah, well, for sure. And, and there's, there's so many variables involved with the decision you're making there. And most important of all those variables is you have to make sure that both decision makers are involved in the conversation. So, you know, if you are married, uh, as you are, Kevin, it's it's so critical to involve your spouse in that conversation because it goes beyond the monetary side of things. And make sure you're both on the same page for why we're doing what we're doing. So, yeah, absolutely. If uh, if you'd like to have a conversation, reach out after the show, and uh, we'll set up a time and, and talk to both of you about the implications of either side of that equation and help create a a path for you guys to work toward.
2: Kevin, you know, I want you to stay on the line, and uh, my producer here is going to take your information so you guys can connect with Mike on the other side. But, you know, that's an interesting question, Mike. Uh, Thank you, Kevin, for the call. Um, that's an interesting question. You know, people mm-hmm. you know people that come out of the military and they've been saving money for the last 10, 15 years, and uh, now they need to make the decision, do I rent or do I just sink that money into the house? Or, like, what do I do? Um, it's, it's an interesting question right now because the housing market is just going crazy again.
7: It is. And, and in this environment, when it's buy versus rent, because the buying side is so expensive, it is pretty cheap to rent.
2: Please enter the mailbox number of the person. That was a, carry on, sorry, that was uh. that was a phone line that just came through. Yeah, So we had
3: uh, technical difficulties for a second there, but we're back now. Oh, Um, good.
7: Uh, Yeah, so, I mean, it it is cheaper to rent than it is to buy a home, especially when you look at all of the additional costs to homeownership that people don't factor in, buying the garden hoses and doing the lawn care and replacing the driveway and, you know, all of those things that you have to pay for. Um, So... It's a worthwhile conversation to have, but again, it's a very different experience renting versus owning your own home. And and I I can't make that decision for my clients. I can help them weigh the number side of the equation, but uh, you know the, the the non-monetary side of the conversation, clients have to maintain veto power on that one and make a decision that makes the best sense for them.
2: And it it's often almost just as important as the financial decision, you know, you, you need to see, be able to see eye to eye with your partner and see what you guys are doing. Uh, there are yeah. so many intricate decisions that require a consensus between the people. And we were talking about the spousal, uh, the spousal's RSP contribution. So, yeah. you know, we, you're going to find out for us what qualifies as a, you know, as a spouse when it comes to the RSP and income splitting uh, the, before yeah. the retirement. Can you just keep an elaborating on that? Because I find that very interesting.
7: Yeah, so you know, there's a reason why we want to do spousal RSPs because when we get to retirement, we want our incomes to be equal. It's it's so critical in order for us to keep our family income taxes as low as possible to try to equalize our incomes through retirement. And there's income splitting rules that allow us to to keep our incomes closer for tax purposes. Uh, but sometimes those income splitting rules don't get us all the way there, and we can end up paying more money in taxes as a family because we didn't take the steps to equalize our retirement assets. So you want to try to get your incomes as close as possible for retirement. So so why is that? Well, to to give you a very basic example, if I'm in retirement, I'm over 65. And let's say the only deductions that I have as an, as an individual are your standard income deductions, uh, nothing else. I'm going to pull out $60,000 a year of an income, both my spouse and I. We're both going to pull out $60,000 a year to pay for our lifestyle. We're going to pay about $20,000 as a family in income taxes. Mm-hmm. But if I pull out 120000 as an individual because we never did income splitting and I'm the only one who has all the assets, instead of paying $20,000 in tax, I'm going to pay 39.
2: That's so, fascinating. Fascinating, folks. You need to pay attention yeah. to this. Now, uh, here is in, in relation to that question, can you yeah. – let's say that if if you've been contributing to your RSPs for 15, 20 years and you have a sizable amount and, 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 and your spouse – uh, your, your new wife, your, your spouse in, you know, in general, doesn't have any RSPs. Can you do RSPs flips while you're married before retirement?
7: You can. Actually, that's, that is a great question. Uh, you know, so people are, have found themselves in that situation. I've got a ton of assets. I didn't think about this issue when we were younger, and my spouse doesn't have a lot of uh, retirement savings in their name. What can we do? And unfortunately, you can't just change them over. Uh, now, thankfully, as I said, after age 65, you can do the income splitting even with uh, RIF income, so you don't have to worry about it beyond that point. But, you know, a lot of people want to retire before 65. And so that yeah. same scenario, sorry, I, I said 39000 in tax after 65, and that was uh, including old age security clawback, but it's more like 33000 so again, I want 120,000 income in retirement, I don't want to pay 33,000 in taxes. I'd rather we pay 20, how do I get there? So yes, you can do some, some RSP flip type uh, approaches, preferably but while you're still working before you, you get to retirement. So, so how do you do that? Uh, there is that option available when you have situations of spouses in different tax brackets. So I'll give you an example. Let's say you have a higher-income spouse in a 53% tax bracket and a lower-income spouse who's in a 33% tax bracket. You can benefit from taking money out of RSPs of the lower-income sp- uh, spouse and recontributing by the higher-income spouse. Now, if all, the, if all the assets are in the hands of the higher-income spouse, that doesn't help you. We can't, then we're pulling out our RSPs at the higher tax bracket. But if you have the lower income spouse who, who had some RSP assets in their name, you can benefit from that difference. Um, so, you know, it, it's tricky. You've got to make sure you understand all the, the tax ramifications of it. Um, but and the financial can, exposure
2: as well, right?
7: <laughs> well, it, well, it is. So, I mean, if if you're stuck with all the assets in your name and you're the higher income spouse, then I mean, you can pull it out in your name and then recontribute it to a spousal RSP in their name, and it will move the assets over to them, and there won't be a tax implication. But you're going to use up all your RSP room pretty quickly that way. So we've got to make sure we do it properly. But this is this is something that we often look at. With the spousal RST conversation, you know, what do I do to, to take advantage of these programs while I'm working and, and tax brackets are, are different?
0: I
2: oh, want dude. to, I, sorry, Mike, I want to touch a little bit more on that. But, you know, we're oh. going to go for a small break, folks. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show, Canada's largest automotive radio show, with my good friend and personal financial advisor, Money Mike. Uh, this show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. Stay tuned, folks. There's a lot more to come on The Carrasco Show. You are listening to Canada's largest automotive radio show. And right now, my personal secret weapon, my financial advisor is here, sharing the wisdom, how you guys can accumulate. Many of you can earn it, but not many of you can accumulate. Somebody said once that, uh, you know, a fool and his money or her money you always find a way to part ways. So A
7: fool and his money are soon parted there you go expression
2: yeah come come Uh, on man i'm an esl you gotta cut me some slack
7: well this is why i'm giving it to you i i I just you hadn't maybe had heard the full uh, expression so listen i find
2: i I find amazing ways to murder saying so you know thank you for for, uh you know crucifying me on air but let's let's just you
7: were capturing (laughs) the spirit of it that was the important thing for, you know, sure. for
2: someone that never heard it, you know, it was like it was perfectly said. It was eloquent. It was succinct. But you know, you just ruined <laughs> it for me. But anyways, thank you for outstaging me again. Um, let's let's keep on talking about this flipping on our RSPs uh, because oh, we only have a few minutes left, and uh, just you know push as much information as you can.
7: Sure, our R, RSP flip uh, is a something that's really important when you are about to retire. So. And let's say you've decided to retire at the end of 2020, and, and now this RSP season is the last one that will affect your working years. You can do an RSP flip for the sole purpose of taking one last kick at the can and benefiting from that tax bracket. So let's say you were in, a, in the top tax bracket while you were working, 53%, but now in retirement, you're only going to be in a 33% tax bracket. It's a 20% difference. So if you're sitting on cash and you have now retired and entered your retirement years and this is going to be the effect on your Uh bracket, you've got $20,000 that you can put into your RSP right now to take advantage of that 53% bracket for 2020. But you can literally turn around and take it out of your Uh RSPs the very next week and now you're taking it out at a 33% tax bracket you're gaining 20% on it instantly for doing a transaction that takes your money out of your pocket for all of a week. So, drop so by, by giving in, it to your wife? 20, what's that?
2: By flipping it to your spouse? No, no, no. Even within your
7: own taxes. Throw it into your own RSP now. Uh-huh. Take it out of your own RSP a week later. Okay. Because now you're taking it out in 2021 at your new tax bracket. So on twenty thousand dollars, you can literally put four thousand dollars in your pocket just by putting it in your SPs and taking it out the next week.
2: <laughs> now, you can is this, do this. Is this legal? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's fascinating, it is. man. It's fascinating.
1: But you can you can also do
7: what I call a spousal income flip, and this is I kind of touched on it a little bit before the break. But essentially, if you have Let's say you have a spouse, that same situation, a a higher income spouse in a 53% bracket, a lower income spouse in a 33% bracket. If the lower income spouse has personal RSPs and they take them out, they are taxable to them and they'll pay tax at 33%. But if you take that money and the higher income spouse then contributes it to their own RSP, they get a 53% tax write-off. And so again, we're gaining that twenty percent difference. But guess what? The higher income spouse can contribute it to a spousal RSP. So the lower income spouse gets to keep the assets and we made that twenty percent tax difference.
5: So So,
7: you know that there are ways to manipulate those RSPs to, to put money in your
2: pocket. How complicated can this get? I mean, you know, f- for the regular consumer or the regular investor, you, you go to the bank, the bank says, would you like to buy some RSPs? And somebody says, oh yeah, let's do it. How much do you want? And off go, and then they forget about it. And yeah. without without taking into consideration the, the, the tremendous amount of loopholes that society has, and, and that's the reason why experts are there, that they can help you see uh, the the different avenues, the different doors that you can walk in that will give you a, a completely Different result, and uh, and and this is something so important. I, I can't emphasize enough, folks, of how important it is to have experts around you. You know this uh, this do it yourself situation that seems to be creeping up in our society. This, is, which is great. I mean, if you want to learn a new skill, by all means. But you see, you you will never be able to. Uh, catch up i mean how long have you been in the industry Mike? 25 30 years 25 so
7: long... years this july this june 25 years
2: well look at it this way i mean you you've certainly achieved you know the 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 number of hours required for 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 mastery you you have mastered this craft and uh, you know you cannot compete with someone that has had this kind of experience when they're giving you their advice i, I think that is experience and, and the advice of the experts often is, uh, is underrated. Uh, and I felt I feel that way personally, because for a long time, Mike, I felt that because I was earning a good or a decent living that I knew about money. <laughs> and often they don't go hand in hand. Would you agree with that?
7: Well, it's true. There's there's absolutely a reason why I have a, a career and and why I spend all my time doing this. And other people become experts in other areas and and spend their time and energy that way. So you know the the vast majority of my clients come to me because they don't want to become an expert in financial services. They want to they want to live their lives. Um, you know I have a, a friend who is phenomenal at woodworking has literally built canoes and they're they're not just like a clunky wood they are gorgeous things to look at uh i wouldn't have the slightest clue how to do that so you know we each have our our areas of expertise
2: that's how i feel when i think of life you know what you feel when you look at that canoe Uh, That's what I feel when I think of life. Like I don't know how to do anything. I was, uh, I was genetically uh, cursed. (laughs) I I don't I don't have a single you know handyman bone in my body. I can't do that. I can't think sometimes. So you know the car business was perfect. (laughs) I, I walked in and I found an area of expertise that was a very narrow area and I became really good at it. So now it doesn't matter what you do really, uh, if, if you do it long enough and you have an open up, you know, your mind is, is, is open enough to allow new knowledge and uh, you could become an expert at something. And uh, when it comes to that, uh, when it comes to my monies anyways... Money Mike is a person. Now, where is that people are reaching you the most, uh, Mike, uh, through uh, email or through phone after the show?
7: Well, I mean, I'm always available on the cell phone. And and so I have spoken to a number of people that way. But uh, lately, so far, uh, since the beginning of the year, we've had more and more people reaching out through the website. So, there is a uh, a book, uh, book an appointment or contact us section of the website, and, and we've been receiving a lot of messages, even as simple as saying, Hey, can you call me? I've got a question. Uh, but some saying we'd like to set up an appointment and, and help you or have you help us address our our overall financial needs. So, uh, the website has been very active for sure.
2: Well, and you can reach uh, MoneyMike at moneymike.ca. Again, moneymike.ca. Or you can call him after the show at nine zero five three two zero six seven six two. And if you if you're missing the details or if you don't have a pen handy, just you can you can find him on his social media or mine. Uh, just go to at Greg Carrasco and you know there is a you know a, a beautiful mug of his uh, with all his contact information there on my Instagram account, so you're going to be able to find him. You know, Mike, uh, I think I speak again on uh, on behalf of the entire Slack Nation. This was a very very informative show, man. Uh, it's amazing how many people don't know enough about RSPs and all the tools that are available, and people like yourself and um, can certainly help people that are sitting on sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars and they don't know what to do with it. And uh, a savings account is certainly probably one of the unsafest places that you can keep, you know, that amount of money and RSPs can certainly be an interesting way to get this started, especially if you are, if you have the room and you are soon to retire, uh, you know, I think that you need to reach out to Mike, Mike, again, thank you so much for joining the Carrasco show. And I look forward to speaking to you in the very, very, very near future.
7: My pleasure, sir. I look forward to it as well. You stay uh, safe and warm out there. We'll talk to you again real soon.
2: Well, talk soon. Folks, you, you were just listening to Money Mike. And uh, this show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. And until the end of the month, folks, at Oakville Infinity, you, uh, you can get an Infinity QX60 Limited for $5.89 a month plus tax with only $29.95 down on a 27-month lease. That deal is way too good to pass on. It's less money than a Toyota Highlander, folks. This is a seven-passenger luxury SUV just like the MDX. Don't pay more if you don't have to. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back after the break. If you're just tuning in, folks, you're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show, Canada's largest automotive radio show, with my friend Ken Stapen here. If you have any car questions that you need some help with, the number to call is 416-870-1050. Once again, 416-870-1050. If you're calling from out of town, it's 1-855-591-6876. The show is for you. This is your hour. If you have any questions, suggestions, concerns, issues, beefs, grievances, about anything, call us. And uh, you may not like what I have to say, but I will I will answer the question. We will entertain any topic. Just keep it light. We need to bring some levity into the show. Last week was pretty intense. It was, it was super intense, Ken.
3: Yeah, and I don't want to go down the, the super intense road, but there is something that <laughs> I did want to address that we hadn't had a chance in the first hour. What's that? That's uh, the fact that broadcasting legend Larry King passed away this morning at the age of 87, and... I think for young broadcasters such as myself, and watching what Larry King was able to accomplish in his career, how many people he touched with his broadcasts, well, the effects that he was able to have, the messages that he was able to convey, he was just an absolutely just, beast. He was, a, he was a beast. Like his yeah, career is second to none in the industry, and just so much respect for him and what he was able to do during his illustrious career. And rest in peace, Mr. King, because as um, I think, as a population as a north american population uh, worldwide even this guy had just so much respect he built yeah. in so much pedigree i uh, guess so you know, you he's been
2: retired him. for a while no how long has he been retired for
3: well i think he was still actively like doing some political yeah, uh, stuff as well but yeah he had his it was 63 years that he's been broadcasting for and that's absolutely insane to me
2: that that is insane. I um, you know, I don't know much about him. You got to remember that I spent most of my uh, of the nineties learning English, so I couldn't speak English in the nineties. I, I had no idea. But, that's uh, that's fair, uh, and it's not uh, uh, so I don't know much about him. But uh, you know, I remember seeing him when you know back in the days when I used to watch TV often, uh, seeing him on CNN. Now I don't I don't listen or watch that station anymore. But uh, he seemed to be very very well respected within the broadcasting community, and uh, you know, eighty seven years old it's a good life, man. It's a good life. You know, it's a, it's, you know, it's good. He, uh, he crushed it, man. He was on the zone for that six decades.
3: An absolute <laughs> legend. Anyway, just wanted to pay my respects to Mr. King as a young and up and coming broadcaster. I think it's important to realize greatness when you see it and respect those who have just been the best in their profession. So let's go to the phone lines here. And, uh, Dominic, what do from, we have? Dominic from Vaughn, Dominic, you're on the Greg Carrasco show
5: good uh good morning good afternoon gentlemen good afternoon first, good afternoon. first time afternoon. caller of uh, of your new show congrats <laughs> long time listener sounds sounds good um my my question is i've got a, a 2014 tour i bought off of a lease i love wow. it but it's the diesel now what have you heard long term on these diesels uh any like should i keep it sell it well, what have you heard long term with because they, they went through the, the whole change, because they had to change the system yeah. uh, when they had that emission issue there. So, if you heard how, how many kilometers do you have? I'm at 200.
2: Well, the vehicle is seven years old. You have 200,000 kilometers. How long are you expecting to keep it?
5: Planning on driving it to the ground as long as I didn't have any issues with it. But uh, have you heard anything happening? Like well, no. You you
2: you will always you will always find people that have two, uh, you know everything anything to say in relation to diesel product. I, I mean, I've seen guys driving those jet, uh you know TDI's for eight hundred thousand kilometers. You know, back in the day uh, when I was running 401 Dixon Nissan and we were number one in the country, the. Um, one of my business managers, uh, Bruce Munz, uh, I haven't talked to him in a while. He's a good guy, but uh, he uh, he used to commute from London, Ontario, to Mississauga every day. <laughs> it's like when I hired him, he said he was going to move to Milton. He never did. He would commute from London, Ontario, to to Mississauga just because he loved London Ontario as much as he did now saying that he had a TDI and uh, he um, that vehicle lasted him I think up to eight hundred thousand kilometers on that thing now saying that uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it is a Jetta, but, uh, you know, it's a diesel product, and Volkswagen is very well known across around the world for their diesel uh, vehicles. Now, whether they cheated the system with emissions or not, that's a whole different conversation that I'm not going to get into. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the longevity of a, of a vehicle, Dominic, is directly related to how much maintenance you do to the car. It is impossible for me to tell you that this vehicle is going to give you trouble or not because i don 't know what your service history is and uh, you know this is what I can tell you though that if you if you do your regular service at the v w dealership and they and, and you take advice uh, from your service advisor and you uh, perform the uh, the recommended maintenance i don 't see that vehicle uh, you know breaking down on you anytime soon, especially if you have uh, rust protection done on the on the car because now uh, it's not so much the years that the vehicle has been on the road, it's how many kilometers you have on those wheels. So, you know, I, I would say, you know, just keep on driving. And if the car is giving you no trouble, then there is no reason for you to, you know, to, to fear something that hasn't happened yet. Is it it's giving you any problem. trouble now?
5: No, I know. I be honest with you, but you know, you hear people talking. Problem is, I shouldn't, shouldn't listen to people. I should listen to you because you're you're <laughs> always giving out good advice. But well, listen. You uh, know, you there, there's people. always people,
2: Dominic. There's always people talking, man. There is flat earthers out there. Yeah, <laughs> if you listen is. to Make those.
5: <laughs> All right, Greg. Thanks a lot, and uh, good luck uh, going forward.
2: Thanks, buddy. Thank All you. Right. Thank you. Thank you. You know, just like that, folks, if you have any questions about cars, call call the show, you know, 416-870-1050. And um, if you want to get this advice uh, in person, I I live right now at Oakville Nissan in Oakville Infinity, and you can get this advice from me there. Uh, I'm always at the store uh, and uh, you can call me and I'll sit down with you and I'll give you some advice. You, You may not like what I have to say, but at least I'll try to save you from making a mistake. Um, you know, whatever I can't do in my own life, I can, I do it at work for sure. <laughs> so, you know, take my advice when it comes to cars. Don't take my advice on anything else. I'm sorry. Don't do it.
3: Listen, when we talk about these diesel cars, I'll tell yeah. you somebody who loves the diesels, Garth from Good. Winnipeg. He is a big proponent of that. We actually have uh, an older Jetta wagon that's a TDI. I think it has probably about 350,000 kilometers on it, 400,000, something in that range. But These things certainly can run. The last time I had it at our diesel mechanic, he suggested that he's seen a standard transmission with one of those cars that had over a million kilometers. Now, obviously, that longevity, you're not going to see all the time, particularly if you have an automatic transmission. Generally, those wear a little bit more... A little bit harder than the manual transmission, so but what, they say what 700. empirical
2: data do you have to prove that statement that you just made? Ken? I've got
3: nothing to prove it, but it's <laughs> but but when you look at but when you look at these That's cars, the perception. Though, but when you look at these cars, though, it's uh, it's not unheard of that they can go for 800,000 kilometers. It's just a, know, it's just a matter of like you said, how much money do you want to invest? Because that you the know, certain but Kenny, points,
2: you know, Ken, the, the the truth is this: that it's the mindset, people. People that buy diesels are cheap, <laughs> and because they're cheap, they mean to keep the vehicle <laughs> for a funny. long time. And because they mean to keep the vehicle for a long time, they will do whatever they can to keep them on the road. So you, you, you need to, if you look at the mindset of the of the diesel buyer, you're gonna find that. But uh, I I have never be I have never liked them. They're they're loud, they're the- stinky. They <laughs> smell funny. They're terrible. Oh,
3: I could definitely confirm that uh they're definitely a lot louder. We used to have a joke about uh having the diesel ear that you can hear the car sort of you you know when your mom or your parents or whatever is coming to pick you up because you can hear them rumbling from you know around the corner before you can even see the car rather than just sort of sneaking up in the quieter. Gas-driven cars, and I think uh, you're right as far as the burning the fuel as well. They can be a little bit stinky inherently, and especially you can, when you, you get can to some smell of those ones before you can hear
2: them. <laughs> oh and, man! And the people that drive diesels, they smell like diesel also. The so Diesel you, fuel, yeah, they, they smell like diesel fuel, and it's nasty. <laughs> My neighbor has a Hummer, and every morning I wake up to the smell of diesel. I don't. Th- I didn't think that uh, Hummers were uh, were made in diesel. I, mean, I, I could you know, be wrong, I, maybe it's just I, I, stinky and not dizzy. I, I think that anyone that drives a Hummer has got bigger problems than the smell. But, <laughs> you know, have you seen the new one? The, the electric Hummer has got a 1,000 horsepower. You know, it can drive sideways. They call that the, the crab uh, crawl. So if you get stuck between rocks, you can literally turn the all-wheel steer uh, steering and just drive sideways. It's the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. And uh, I, I think that this thing is going to be like quarter of a million dollars. Have you seen it?
3: I haven't seen it, but it's also it's, I don't know, do people actually take the Hummers and go, you know, four-wheeling or off-roading? I feel like they're such a big car that you'd be better suited to get something that's a little bit smaller if you're actually trying to aggressively do those sorts of things.
2: How many people that you know can, and be honest with me, uh, drive a four-by-four that they use it to go off-roading?
3: You'd be surprised, actually, because I grew up in a smaller town in the states, and oh, that was course. Yeah, of course it, it had it, to
2: be human. I had to ask you that. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, to be honest,
3: actually, my first car was a 1998 Chevrolet Tracker. Thing was super light, small engine, and I used to be able to get that thing absolutely anywhere. But yeah, certainly, where I grew up, there was a lot of you know that sort of culture where you would actually take your like that was an activity you just go out in your trucks and see where you could drive them where there were no roads and get sort of to the most obscure place off the trail and hope that you didn't break down out there because you end up changing a tire in the middle of the woods that's not the most desirable but no certainly since i've moved to toronto i don't know well the majority of my friends don't even have cars and certainly the ones that do have ones that would be capable from off-roading aren't taking it anywhere (laughs) around the gta well, I
5: currently live in a small town as well, so unfortunately, I have the same answer for you. Where do you live? I'm in Stovell, just north Stouff. of Markham.
2: I know where Stovell is. I, um, you know, is not a small Sorry town to hear anymore. That. anymore. Not anymore.
5: Not anymore. But the not people anymore.
3: there still act like there's.
2: It. You know, there's where uh, Don Romano, the uh, the president of Honda uh, Canada, lives. No, Stovell is a pretty interesting town. Uh, you know, that whole area of the city is just growing like crazy. Um, it's beautiful out there. It's, it's absolutely gorgeous, you know, especially when you can drive half an hour, 45 minutes north and just be in the country. Um, you know, that appeal, uh, that idea is very appealing to me. But, uh, you know, I can tell you this, that, you know, with almost 30 years in the car industry, I can tell you that, you know, you know in the high 90th percentage of people that drive SUVs, uh, they, they fall for the commercials of freedom and, you know, live your own life. And you can bring, you know, the city or the, the country to the city and so on and so on. And they show you all this fantastic commercials with the all-wheel drive system climbing on the side of mountains and you, you know, being the, the wow sportsman or sportswoman out there. no. Sorry, it doesn't the, happen. The biggest, you do that, you're going to avoid your warranty. And the, then you'll never be able to get you know, get warranty work in your truck again. It's so misleading and deceiving, folks. Don't fall for that nonsense. What were you going to say again?
3: The biggest struggle for me in the city is just trying to get up the hill at a car just north of Girard. That's it. And I have the snow tires, so I don't have any issues. I've seen some people sliding around on it, though, when the weather gets a little bit more inclement. But you just do, you don't need it. You don't need the yes, Jeep Wrangler good? with the huge mud tires driving around Toronto. Well,
2: I, you know, I'm guilty as charged, man, because of uh, the only car that I have ever bought, like you know, personally for me, like new car, the only car, the only. It was a Jeep Wrangler. It was a. It was a Sahara. I. Uh... The car was stupid. Wranglers are stupid.
3: Well, they hold but their value, so,
2: though. Hold, hold on. They're, they're so cool, though, that it makes sense. So, you know, I, I, I put the big Mickey Thompson some, some tires. I put a lift kit. I put a backup camera. Boom. It was all ready to go. And the, and, the, uh, and the dreams of me taking the hard top off and just having driving around in the summertime with the top down, it was great. Not a chance. You know how many times I took the top down, no, you'll None. Fine. Never. Never. <laughs> it's such a pain in the ass. That yeah. I, you know, you need to find a storage room. You need to, you know, there are companies that have storage space that you can send your Jeep there and they'll take the roof off. And then it's just, an, it's a disaster. Now, they, uh, my friend Rob Carroll from Nissan Canada said to me once that that, the Jeep Wranglers have the aerodynamics of a piano, you know, they defy gravity. You know, you're pushing a square on a wind tunnel, like all the forces of nature are holding that truck back from giving you any sort of legitimate performance. Um, the, uh, they rattle, they squeak, the road noise is unbelievable. But you know, there is something really amazing that happens, you know, whenever Remember? you drive, whenever you're driving, uh, Ken, and so uh, people see you, a... you driving that car. They give you the hands up. They give you the peace sign. Like, the yeah. Jeep wave, yeah, I think yeah, they the call it. Thing. Yeah, I've, yeah, I've like ridden I, around I, with
3: friends who have a Wrangler. and it's like, a, I see
2: you. I see you. Yeah, yeah it's I it's see a, you I, too. You know, there's another one that made a mistake. Yeah, I see you. We, you know, we're stuck with a mess. But, uh, you know, I, I, I have to say, though, I, I did enjoy it quite a bit. While I had it, it was super cool. Uh, and with the big tires, he just puts you really high up on the road. But uh, you know, the fuel consumption was terrible. And uh, it was right around the time that my son you know, got accepted at UFT here. And uh, I, I needed to get him a car. And I wasn't going to give him a $60,000 truck for him to drive around at the age of 18. <clears throat> Mistake. So I sold my Jeep. And uh, I got him a Hyundai. And uh, he loves it. Uh, He loves it. But uh, we have a phone call here from uh, Scarborough. Steve, thank you for calling the Carrasco Show. How can
3: we help? Yeah, we're just about reconnecting with Steve. His connection was a little bit uh, shoddy, so we're going to see if we can get him back right here.
2: But, all right, well, Ben will do that. Uh, But as I was saying, that was one of the only vehicles that I I ever uh, really bought brand new, and it was a Jeep. And uh, I had very romantic ideas about working for that car manufacturer for a while, and I think that... uh, there's a lot of things that go on uh, from an, uh, an operational standpoint that don't do justice to the people that build those cars. Uh, but Jeep as a brand, I'm a big fan, man. The, the cars themselves. Uh, is Steve back on the line here from Scarborough? Steve, yeah. thank you for we calling have, the Carrasco have, Show. Yep, Steve I now. am
0: right here. How are you? Doing very well. well? Thank you. Listen, two quick questions. Yep. Nissan Navara, when will we get it in Canada? And the second one, you'll have fun with this one. License plates. When will dealers in Ontario would be allowed to issue license plates? When you walk into a dealer, you know, there are times when you buy a used car and you want to drive drive away the same
2: day. You know, there is, um, I can't remember, um, I think it was called Bill 615, I think. Uh, something to that effect that, uh, that uh, it was being pushed by uh, Mike Harris, the MP from... Uh, Uh, from Southwestern Ontario that's been on the show a bunch of times, I should call him and get him on the show uh, because they were trying to push it forward. And you see, what a lot of people don't know is that uh, um, Transport Canada uh, sold out. So they sold all the franchises. So all the uh, Service Ontario, or the vast majority of them, are privately owned. So, you know, whenever, uh, whenever you have competition uh, against the franchisees. The franchisees are going to revolt. So some of the biggest pushback that we have is like the liability and uh, who is going to keep track of what and so on and so on and so on. But, uh, you know, I can tell you we are so far behind when it comes to streamlining the ownership process in the United States. You can just put the tags right at the dealership and off you go. You can walk in at the dealership and you can leave with the car with plates and everything the same day. Uh, Within an hour. yeah, everything is done in-house. Now, you know, you're talking about the Nissan Navara. That's, that's the frontier. Well, it's the new version. Yeah, so it's coming. Uh, there is a big announcement. Hear me out. Uh, there is a big announcement coming, um, I believe it's on February the 6th. The president of Nissan Canada and the president of Infinity Canada are going to be on the show. Great. And there are there are some big announcements coming and uh, um, from both brands. And I think that... You may have uh, hit the nail on the head with uh, asking me about this Nissan Navara uh, because I have seen it and it 's absolutely stunning. I saw it last year, I saw the concept model, and uh, apparently the production model is identical uh, with very minor adjustments from the bumper heights and whatnot um, the um, the The actual model the production model is pretty close to what uh, what people have seen on the actual um, the prototypes. So you're going to be super, super happy. And you know, I've always been a big fan of the Frontier. I think that the Frontier uh, is arguably the absolute best compact pickup truck in Canada. Um, people would agree with that. They disagree with that. I don't, I, you know, it doesn't matter. You, you can always talk to me here and, and, and argue about it. But uh the only one that came close to it was the Mazda B series. The, uh, do you remember those trucks?
0: Oh the B series were they they were great little trucks yeah, but it yeah, was that were. but that was Mazda and Ford working yeah, on no, that. Yeah, no, and I
2: understand that. Yeah, and and they stopped them. Uh but I mean Mazda did really well. I uh you know when in, in a former life when when I was married, uh you know my ex-wife had an uncle that lived up in Mattawa. Uh, Mattawa Ontario just north of Sudbury I think it is. And uh he um you know, he packed in, he was a school teacher and sold everything, bought a hundred acres and turned himself into a farrier. So <laughs> you know, he did it, man. He, he hated the systems to escape and uh, you know, all you know, all the respect to Uncle Bob from Marawa. Uh but uh, you know, he um he was such a believer on this um, you know, B twenty two hundred mass that he had, that he had two, you know, just in case one of them just for whatever reason needed to be in for service, you always had the other one going. But uh, um, in the absence of the B-Series from Mazda, you have the Nissan Frontier, and small pickup trucks have come a long, long, long way. Do you have one right now, uh, Steve?
0: Well, I just got rid of my 2005 GMC Jimmy, and the reason why I had it so long, I had it for 16 years, it had the five-speed manual. And that truck was unbreakable.
2: They um you know manuals unfortunately or fortunately for most they are they're going out of style man Uh, less than two percent of Canadian cars are being sold with manual transmissions now two percent so the the market is what demands the production so if the market doesn't demand for that vehicle to be uh, a significant part of the production of all car manufacturers you know I don't I don't see um, outside of the exotic. the uh, segment, I don't see manual transmission uh, being around past the next five to ten years. And that is a real shame. Mm, yeah, it, it can be. But thank you so much for the phone call, uh, Steve. I really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we answer the question for you. Uh, folks, if you just tuned in, uh, you are listening to Canada's number one automotive show. This is the Greg Carrasco Show here with uh, with Ken Stapen. And, and uh, we are on air every Saturday morning from 10 a.m. until 1 p.m. And we answer all your car-related questions you know, try to stay away from mechanical questions because I don't care, uh, but I will, do, <laughs> I will do whatever I can to, <laughs> to answer all technical questions from an acquisition standpoint. I will try to do whatever I can to not let you make a mistake. And uh, the show is, br- is brought to you by Oakville Nissan. And right now, until the end of December, uh, pardon me, until the end of January, you get 0% financing on all remaining uh, 2020 products. So don't miss out. If you, if you need to buy a vehicle, Come and see us, and we'll be right back after the break. You're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show with Ken Stapen here, Canada's largest automotive radio show on TSN 1050. The show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. And until the end of the month, folks, it doesn't matter what brand you drive. If you come in and do service at Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity, we will pay for your HST, so you don't have to pay taxes at Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity when you do service with us, any brand. Just make sure that you log in to our websites, OakvilleNissan.com and OakvilleInfinity.com. Book your appointment or call us in. We'll book you in. If you're a first responder, you get the preference. We will make room until the end of the month. No HST at Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. We got your fam. We got your back. You know, times are rough. We're going to try to help out in whichever way we can. Uh, Folks, if you want to call the show and you have something to say about anything, if you want to argue with me, do it. 416-870-1050 416-870-1050 is a number. 416-870-1050 is a number if you, if you call them from the city. And if you are from out of town, it's one 591 6876 And do we have, you know, <laughs> uh, I call them stinky, man. <laughs> you know, I know that somebody's driving a diesel way before they tell me. And you know? <laughs> Just because you can smell it on their clothes. You can smell it. It's the same thing that people that ride horses they smell, and it's nasty. Do you They're know a lot of equestrians? Uh, I, 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 I deal with a bunch of equestrians throughout my lifetime, and they smell funny. Uh, it's the same thing with diesel. So we, uh, who do we have on the line? Garth? Yeah, Garth let's go to from Garth Winnipeg. from Winnipeg. <laughs> hey, Garth, what's going on, man? <laughs> How are you? Thanks for taking my call, Greg. No problem. Are you one of the stinkies, you know, people that drive I diesels?
8: I am. am a, a smelly guy when it comes to <laughs> diesels for automotive use, and just to Two quick points, Craig. Um, One of them is that uh, the reason I like Volkswagen diesel technology is that they offer it with a body that has a 12-year corrosion warranty up until 2017. So the rust demons that come in on a high-mileage diesel don't necessarily uh, present the same kind of problem as a domestically produced product because Volkswagen uses a double-sided galvanized panel, which gives you the corrosion protection. But they eliminated that and went to a seven-year in
2: 2018. Have and you seen the documentary, Garth? Yes. <laughs> did, did, did that change your mind at all? Is it, are, we're talking about the one with the monkey in the cage. Uh, no, not that one. the The documentary uh, in relation to, I think it's called "Dirty Money." Is that the documentary yes. uh, yeah. in which they analyze the uh, the scandal uh, about the emissions?
8: Yeah, yeah, I've seen it. And and it, it, one of the scenes in that show is they actually take to illustrate a clean diesel. They take exhaust and pump it into a closed container and have a monkey in,
1: inside the container.
2: Yeah, which I don't is, remember which, that part. Which but. was
8: really, really controversial for the, for, for obvious reasons. Yeah, it's not uh, a good idea. But what, what,
2: what I can tell you is this: that uh, I am. Um you know, look. I, I know that the people that make it didn't have any say in the matter. The people that sell them don't had and didn't have any say in the matter. But I, I couldn't possibly just be not turned off by what I saw. And uh, you know, will that change? Absolutely, at some point. But uh, man, that's uh, that was a tough pill to swallow. Uh, you know what? What was what were your reactions when you watched the documentary?
8: My reactions were I lost a lot of. Uh, um respect for the volkswagen organization because they put profit in front of uh, ethics and and I, I feel like they were uh really pulling the wool over the customer's eyes and i think the the market is going to reward them with reduced sales so so as, I, as you result- know, I
2: don't know about that because immediately after they went on to have some of the biggest sales that they've ever had, and uh, you know, I, I didn't know that uh, the government of Germany is uh, is a big investor into VW uh, International, but uh, so the the government kind of knew about this. It's just even it's even more convoluted. But uh, you know, have you always driven diesels, uh, Garth? No, I
8: have not. Um, I I have a variety of. Uh, it's the diesel trucks I've been uh, in a big fan of. Light, especially light-duty diesel, and yep. the reason being is torque. I mean, it's anybody that drives a diesel knows about torque, yeah, and yeah. that, that, in my view, is more important than horsepower.
2: I can't, uh, I, I, to be honest with you, I cannot stand the clickety-clack of the valves. You know, they drive me absolutely insane. I have this really weird sensitivity to noise. I get overwhelmed really, really quickly and uh when i when i i can't really hear my thoughts and i hear that the snapping of the valves with that is very common on older diesels anyways i can't stand them but i do understand why people would drive them though you you do get a you know a, a delta in the um in the fuel consumption that uh, would make sense for some people that keep it for more than 6 or 7 years to pay for the difference but uh, i do you still have one Garth
8: yeah, I do. And, and in fact, one of the things Ken mentioned is he grew up in the States and he grew up in Connecticut in a rural area. And one of the things that we always uh, realized was the deer – standing on the side of the road would hear you half a mile down the road because you're coming <laughs> Every... <laughs> so, so, so there'd be no surprises for the wildlife and they wouldn't run out in front of you. Yeah, that's a, that big, is... that's
3: a big pro for sure and uh, people that live in that area of the states, I mean up here I guess it's moose they are the bigger problems once you start getting outside the GTA but certainly that's something to consider especially when you're growing up in a rural area is the threat that you'll hit a deer and those things absolutely mangle cars if you've ever seen one that's in an accident.
2: That's, uh, that's Garth from Winnipeg, folks. Thank you so much for the phone call, Garth. I hope okay, you have an awesome, awesome weekend. Let's talk to Chris in Oakville. Chris, how can we help? Hey,
8: Greg. Uh, would love to know, when's the new uh, QX60? Do you expect that to hit the lots?
2: The new QX50 or QX60? 60,
8: six
4: zero.
2: Oh, no, I don't, I don't know. I don't know anything about that. I've seen some uh, versions, some, uh, some concept, uh, but I don't think it's coming anytime soon. Um, I know that there is a few uh, new products coming out. The QX60 is coming uh, this year. The QX55 is coming next year. And believe it or not, I was th- so disappointed because um, Infinity Canada had arranged a trip to Japan. Uh, to see all the new product that's coming down the pipeline with Infinity uh, Motor Company, and um, because of COVID, everything he got, you know, it, it was scheduled for February. Then it was pushed back to May, then June, and then it was just canceled. So um, I am looking forward to making it down to Japan and seeing this product, uh, you know, in real life, and and see what what sort of news I can bring to to the listenership here. But I don't um, I don't know when the new QX60 is coming out, man. But the the current QX60 is is beautiful. It's, it's exquisite to look at. Um, have you seen,
8: I'm I'm driving the QX60 right now, like, and again, QX60. Um, and and so that's, and
2: I, sorry, you know, I, 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 I misheard you. I thought you said the Q60. No, the QX60 is coming now. Um, you know, for what we understand, the, um, it should be hitting the lots within the next three to four months. And we've seen it. So it's, it, it was um, there is a big reveal that's happening. And in fact, the uh, the president of Infinity Canada is coming on the show on February the sixth, and that's exactly what they're going to be announcing or talking about, I believe. So you know, stay tuned because it's it's a lot closer than you think. It's going to happen within the next few months.
8: Yeah, know because I've got a QX60 right now, and uh, the, the new one looks really nice. So just wondering when I'll be actually able to put my hands on one.
2: Okay. I, I will keep you posted and you know, stay tuned. Uh, if you're one of our customers, just drop by, let us know. We'll put you in a calling list. And as soon as we get the release of the product, we'll get in touch with you. Okay. Thanks, Greg. Thank you, Chris. And let's talk to Carl in Oakville. Carl, mm-hmm. thank you for calling the Carrasco Show.
4: This is Carl. How are you doing, Greg? I, I just very, like to well, find you. out. I, I, I'm I'm up in age, and I I wanted to maybe give myself a guilty pleasure and treat myself to a used luxury car. And I've been, okay. uh, I guess, probably because of product placing in a lot of movies like iRobot and stuff. I've been looking at the Audi. What would you think about a you know an A6 to an A8 Audi a few years back?
2: Um. Well. How can I answer this um,
7: honestly? Pro, pro,
2: you know, <laughs> it, look, the those cars are delicious. Uh, that's the only way for me to describe them. I, um, uh, the you know, from the from the five up, uh, anything below that is not the same unless you get yourself an S series. Yeah, it's too small, and uh, uh, if you want to have a guilty pleasure, you know, go from the five up. The five is a phenomenal vehicle. I had an S five in the summertime for a little bit. And they are phenomenal cars. Uh, the, the six, we had one as well. I haven't had an eight at the store in a while. And uh, I don't know if you know this, um, uh, uh, Chris, but uh, at Oakville Infinity, we have a different division that is called Oakville Luxury Imports so from Audis to BMWs to Jags to Mercedes, um, you name it, anything that has to do with pre-owned luxury vehicles, high-end Land Rovers, G-Wagons you name it, uh, we have them at the store in an indoor showroom, so if you want to drop by, I um, I have a couple of cars there there is um. How far back
4: do a... you go in years?
2: Um, well, if it makes sense, right, I, you got to remember that I have to look at the eyes of my customers. You know, most of my customers that buy these cars, they live in Oakville and they just want to save some money. So I, I try not to keep anything that I wouldn't sell to somebody in my family. So the mm-hmm. cars are pretty safe. Uh, I have an eight series, uh, BMW that has only 40,000 kilometers. I drove that vehicle for a little bit. What a beast. That car is a beast. And, uh, you know, from parking itself to the um, to the, the 360 camera that gives you uh, a different awareness of your surroundings to the mood lighting inside of the vehicle with the, you know, 400 watts of output sound system. You know, there are so many things that you can get when you step back from a lu- brand new luxury car and you can get into a one, two, three, or even four-year-old luxury machine. Not only you can save yourself up to 50% of the original selling price. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, if you if you get yourself associated with a with a brand new dealership selling you this vehicle, then you have the brand of the new dealership attached to that uh, luxury vehicle that you're using. You know, there was a big mistake that people make uh, thinking that um, by buying used luxury cars that you can that you can take liberties as to where you buy them from. No, 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 no. That's never a good idea. you got to remember that at some point, a new car dealership passed on that car because of risk. That's the only reason why B and C and D lots exist because, uh, you know, somebody will trade in a vehicle to me, for example, I look at it and I think, ah, yeah, no. So that car goes to the auction and then somebody buys it, and they sell it to an unsuspected person that thinks that they're too smart, and they want to outsmart the system, and they often end up with bigger (laughs) problems than not. So why don't you do this, um, Chris? Come and see me at Oakville Infinity this afternoon, and I'll show you. I think there was about 40 pre-owned luxury cars that are going to blow your mind.
4: And that's where?
2: At Oakville Infinity. It's right on uh, Third Line, South Service Road between uh, Bronte and Third Line.
4: Okay, gotcha.
2: Thank Once you again, so much. You
4: come, you come yeah. through with the answers.
2: <laughs> I try. But anyways, uh, you know, should we talk to Wayne before we go to the break? Let's talk to Wayne. Wayne from Hamilton, what's up?
8: Thank you for taking my call. I'm probably your only cube caller. Uh, <laughs> uh, I have two I have two questions. I'll try and make it quick.
2: Yeah.
0: I do about ha- I love the car.
8: Did
3: we lose him? Oh yeah, sorry we had lost Wayne must you have know, dropped the line. Sorry
2: yeah, about let's, that. Uh, let's take a small break, folks. If you have any questions uh, about cars, call me, 416-870-1050. You are listening to the Greg Carrasco Show here, Canada's largest automotive radio show with Ken Stapon. And uh, this show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. We are on South Service Road between Third Line and Bronte. You can see us from the QEW. Don't miss it. Come and see me. I live at this place. Let's take a small break and we'll be right back. You know, some songs are just... It's impossible not to want to get down with them. It's impossible. I don't know if you have the same effect on you, man. Uh, it's a it's a Latino background that comes out from time to time, you know.
3: <laughs> it gets it gets you moving and grooving, and nice to see you enjoying the music selection this morning. For uh, hey.
2: I wonder why.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe a little bit more direction. I'll act like I didn't hear
2: uh, Sorry, man. The, uh, the folks don't forget the show is brought to you by Oakville Lisa and Oakville Infinity. It's 2021, folks. If you are still paying commission when you buy a vehicle, give your head a shake. You are paying more money than you should. You don't have to. Wherever I happen to be working, I will make sure that you pay no commission when you buy a vehicle. And right now, Oakville Nissan, Oakville Infinity is where it's at. You know, do not buy a vehicle until you come and see me. And the number to call is 416-870-1050. We're going to try to squeeze you in. And uh, if you happen to make it on air, folks, there's a lot of phone calls through. Just ask the question quick. I'll answer it as fast as and as honest as I can, and uh, we'll make it happen. So who is back on the line? Wayne?
3: Yeah, let's go back to Wayne. Sorry about the technical difficulties. Wayne, you're back.
0: Hello, I'm back. Did you get the first part of my question? No,
2: nothing.
8: Okay, I drive a, a 2010 six-speed uh, Cube. On, a, on the highway at 110 to 120, it, it revs at 3,000. Is that okay?
2: Um, is that yeah, it's got. A, it, I think that the Cube came with a 1.6. Uh, little engine, no?
8: I think so. I'm not big. Yeah, on it's, that. A, it's a
2: one. It's a one point six. I mean, uh, you know, it's it's a small motor. Uh you know, between, you know, I would say twenty six and three thousand RPM is where the car is going to land. Now, do does it feel uh, wrong?
8: No, it uh, it was it took a while to get used to it, but now I'm used to it.
0: Uh,
2: Have so you it had to check to it checked at a Nissan store? Did I what? Sorry? Have, have you had it checked at a Nissan store? No. Well, you know, why don't you do this? You know, take a small drive, come and see me, introduce yourself. We'll take a picture. or put you on Instagram. And, uh, you know, and as long as it takes uh, for, for me to take the picture and put it on Instagram, we'll get your vehicle checked and make sure that your transmission is okay. It's a standard transmission, right? Yeah, it's okay. Okay. Okay, so, thank you. you know, just bring a bike and, and we'll try to look after you. Okay, so let's talk to David in Toronto
1: hey greg how are you love the show i'm a budget that's conscious one. big guy i'm in the market for a new suv but okay. i want a four-cylinder suv okay what's yep. the what's the most spacious vehicle from the driver's seat that i could be looking at well
2: Small, you know compact it's, SUV. that's uh that's an interesting question that you asked because um um you know my uh, my old co-host uh, john Scholes is a big dude he's like 6'6 and uh, now he is a beanpole, but uh, you know he's a really a, a rather tall person. And uh, uh, he was driving a Nissan Qashqai uh, for a very long time, and he was comfortable in it. So uh, believe it or not, the, the, if you're looking at the Qashqai, if you're looking at the Kicks, believe it or not, and the Rogue, they seem to have, and, and now this is not my opinion, this is just numbers. They seem to have the most driver room in that segment. So, if you're looking at compact SUV, mid-size compact, and mid-size SUVs, you may want to look at that. The other vehicle for you to look at, if you're looking at four-cylinder, right? Yes, sir. You know, have a look at the Tucson. The Tucson has a lot of room in that in that vehicle. Even the new Santa Fe is massive in the comparable pricing. What do you drive right now?
7: Right now it's the Jeep Compass. What about the Mazda, the CX five and the CX nine? I keep getting referred to those. Do you, rate you know, those I, at all?
2: I, I, I'm not. I'm not a fan, man. I'm, I'm not a fan. I, I, you know, Mazda. You know, M- Mazda makes a, a phenomenal product. Uh, The CX-5 is certainly a worthy competitor, but it's smaller than the competition. It's been around for a little longer. Uh, So, you know, uh, it's it's an older body style now. Uh, And they're more money than the competition, believe it or not. Uh, Mazda makes a phenomenal car. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Miata, but uh, I'm not a fan of um, of their SUVs. The CX-9 just, if you're looking at use, it might not be a bad idea because they have terrible resale value. So you might pick one up for, you know, relatively inexpensive. The CX-5 are expensive, but I mean, with with the sort of incentives that you're getting out of manufacturers right now, I mean, you get in 0% in all the remaining 2020s, for example, uh, depending on the price bracket that you're looking at getting, um, I would... You know, I don't know what price range you're looking at, so it's kind of hard to give you advice in the dark. Uh, you know, why don't you call me at the store, and I'll tell you what I would get if I were you. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be a Nissan. Um, you know, we sell all kinds of different vehicles at the store, but uh, at least I will give you um, a, a more objective opinion on this once I know what your parameters are, Okay.
7: And what's your opinion generally on the, on the Range Rover Evoque, so
4: the entry-level Range Rover? Do you like I, that or not?
2: Uh, you know, I think that they, you know, they're beautiful. I, I had one. They're beautiful. They're not particularly good in snow, so you need to put a solid set of snows on them, and then you'll be fine. Uh, I, I had one for a little while and, uh, with the regular all-season tires, and I was driving sideways, so it was terrible. So if you put a good set of snows... Now, based on the price... Uh, I would say that it's a no-no. But if you look at it as an, as in, in a vacuum, if you look at it as, as as it is, as it stands, it's a beautiful car, man. The, you know, Range Rover, that's such an awesome yeah, job it. by captivating... I would love the
1: Velar. The Ro- Velar is absolutely beautiful, but man, that's way out of my price range. Anyway, you know, I love your show, Greg.
2: Uh, uh, thanks, brother. You know, and, 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 and just to finish off that thought with Range Rovers, I was just driving a, a, a Range Rover Sport, the Supercharged, the one with you know 500 somewhat ho- uh, horsepower. We just took one on trade. It's a 2020. We had only one a thousand kilometers on it it's impossible to get into that vehicle and not feel like a million bucks it's impossible but uh, you know again if you have 120 130,000 dollars to spare you should be feeling like a king but uh, you know again call me after the show and uh, i'll try to steer you the right direction okay
3: yeah let's go to jason from markham here jason you're on the great cracks jason show. what's
8: happening hey greg how you doing
2: i am well how can i help well, you and I talked maybe a month or two ago about um, me trying to find a Miata, and I'm finding that the prices are going up despite the fact that yeah. it's
8: winter and stuff. Um, so I expanded my search. I heard you just talking about Miatas, but you had also mentioned Audis, and I started to yeah. look at TTs. Oh, um, man. That's a fun car, kind
2: of. They are right super, super fun cars. I think that they are perfect cars, if they had a little bit more space in the back. <laughs> uh, it's, it's one of those cars that I would probably buy for myself. They're super fun. I like the idea of the all-wheel drive w- with a convertible. Uh, I'm a big fan of convertibles, but no, I would not hesitate one bit on getting an Audi TT. They're well-balanced cars. They're small. They're practical. Uh, they're They're a little pricey, but if you can get yourself a nice one, Uh, I think that you are gonna you're gonna hit a home run with those cars. They're phenomenal.
8: You know what I'm finding, Greg, is that uh, 2012, 2013 Miata's and TTs are going around the same price, maybe two grand apart.
2: Uh, right. Yes, I mean it all depends what you expect of the experience because again you may be paying the same price uh, when you when you buy the machine, but to maintain it and keep it running it's going to be a whole different experience. So you need to take those two things into consideration. If you're looking a long term, uh, reliable, inexpensive driving, stick with a Miata. If you're looking for you know just a constant, perma smile on your face, that you may have to pay a little bit more for service at the Audi store as the vehicle gets a little older. Then don't don't you know don't skimp out, man. Get yourself a TT, they're phenomenal cars. Fair enough. Okay. Okay. Thanks for the thanks for the thought. Thank you. Thank you, Jason, and uh, good luck. Let's talk to Justin in Toronto. We, you are just under the wire. Hey, buddy,
1: can you hear me? I got the. I'm in the car, so I got the audio on. Is that going to affect this or?
2: No, no, no. Just go ahead. Just turn the radio down. That's all.
1: Oh yeah, but uh, you're coming through the Bluetooth. Uh, anyway, let me try something here. Just so ask can, me the question We can hear yeah. you fine, Justin yeah. Yeah. Go Sorry, ahead guys, Okay. So listen, uh, I called in uh, a month ago Remember I was going to Mexico I'm drinking tequila for you <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> And Good I don't you, know man. if I'm going to
7: go anymore Now Trudeau is saying Warning, don't go cancel your trip So <laughs> The only reason
2: why they don't want you to go overseas Is because you might run into somebody from the government And they don't want you to rat them out That's the only reason why
1: <laughs> I hear you, man Okay, listen, I had an idea There's something that I've been pondering I don't know if it makes sense to Tell me, okay I got a master c Don't get married it's got the moon roof It's got the leather seats and everything right The Mazda yeah. CX-9 I got kids It's a beautiful vehicle yeah. I love it But it's on lease right now yeah. um,
7: When the lease is over I have the option to buy it out For 23000 I think Don't don't buy
1: it out. Just trade it no, in, no. get a
2: new lease, right? Yeah, yeah, get, get something else. And that if you plan to buy it out, uh, then that means that you shouldn't be leasing in the first place. If you're going to buy a vehicle, buy, finance it right off the start. You know, buying a vehicle at the end of the lease is the second most expensive way of buying a car. And Justin, we love you, man, but I have to let you go because the show is drawing to an end. And uh, you can call me after the show at the store at Oakville Nissan or Oakville Infinity. All right, brother. Next one, I need a new car, okay? See ya. <laughs> thank, thank you. Whew. Every single Saturday, you know, I blink, boom, three hours go by. If you like what you hear and you like the approach that we take to car sales and the straight, ruthless advice that you get from here, you can come and see me. I'm at Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. The entire crew there has been trained in the ways of the force. They know how to deal with you. They're going to help you out. They're salary employees. They have no vested interest in you buying one car or the other. It doesn't matter. You it doesn't even matter if you buy a car. Just make sure that you book an appointment. Be conscientious. You book the appointment, show up. You no, know, don't be mean. And until the end of the month, we got your back from HST. You service a vehicle at Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. You don't have to pay for your taxes. Fam, we're here for you. I know the times are rough, and we're trying to help you in whichever way we can. So before you buy anything, you need to come and see me at Oakville Nissan. There's something happening there at OakvilleNissan.com.